Hey, I'm Jess. And I'm Sandra. And I'm John. And I am Emily. Welcome to today's town meeting. Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week's episode is One's Got Class and the Other One Dies. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but we have a special guest this week. Hello. A very special <laughs> guest. Can you uh, introduce yourself, please? Yeah, my, as, I, as you just heard, my name is John. Uh, and uh, I, I played the role of Brian Fuller on Gilmore Girls. Uh, I, uh, this, this episode is actually the first episode that I, that I, um, worked on the show. We thought this it was a- very fitting. Yeah. Uh, it's, there's not a lot of me in the episode. Um, there's not a lot, a lot of me, not a lot of lines, but, um, but Hey, it was the first episode that I did. So I certainly have got some, some serious mems. Um, sure. And I think we get a good dose of like who brian is you start to see like okay brian is a special kind of dude in this episode yeah although you know i i do feel like the character evolved a bit you know i he he was definitely a a a bit more he was a bit tropier here in these episodes and i feel like the and i mean that that's just it goes with any you know any television writing you know, as the characters written more and more, they they start to understand the character a bit better. But here is, you know, I mean, I said it a lot, like when I was watching the show with fans. Um, season three for the band is really like set dress, like the band is just set dressing to the Lane and Dave story. Like it's like Zach and Brian, and just the whole idea of a band is just really more that it's just an idea. And yeah. creates this sort of set dressing for us. Um, some certainly some good comic moments, but it isn't really until season four. I don't. I don't think until season four that um, Brian, Zach, uh, certainly Brian and Zach, and then of course Gil uh, and and Lane in the context of the band really become a character on the show. I feel. Yeah, I'm so excited when we get when we like fully get Hep Alien. Right now we have like. <laughs> And then, like, yeah, yeah, four yeah, walks yeah. off stage is kind of all we have at this point. Daughter, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's just, you know, I mean, it's just, like I said, it's just an idea at this point. Um, which, by the way, is like that, that actually works, right? Because most bands, they, they aren't really formed in the beginning. They're mostly just fueled by dreams. And, and then eventually, like, you know, they, they put in the hard work and, and then they start to become, something and 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 i think that the show does a good job of the 
of the band becoming something and the members of the band's band becoming something. And I, especially, you know, I, I know that we, we talked a little bit when you guys joined, joined me um, at Remarcus about season seven, but I, you know, I, I actually really love um, what happens with the band specifically in season seven. I know that not a lot happens with the band, <laughs> but, uh, but there's something about that, 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 that just feels right. You know, the idea that like Zach is kind of like trying to figure things out on his own and, you know, um, the, the difficulty of like having kids and, and, you know, following your dreams. Uh, these things are just, to me, I just, I just found them really fascinating um, because I hadn't watched the show um, until recently and certainly hadn't really watched season seven. Uh, I came in expecting, not really knowing anything. Uh, it's also the it's also the season where I'm Brian is the least like I'm I'm not in the episodes or in as many episodes because it's mostly it's mostly focusing on Zach and Lane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really know much going in. And and to to watch it, I I, I you know, I got a lot out of the the band storyline. I I would challenge I would challenge the naysayers to at least go back to season seven and just track the band storyline. Like not it's not necessarily the band storyline, the band members storyline, like sort of what's happening to them psychologically in that season. I think it's interesting. Yeah. It's, well, it'll be really exciting for us when we get to season seven, because Sandra is of course our co-host, yes. a diehard Gilmore fan um, has not seen all of season seven. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Well, I didn't, but I yeah. do want to go back to it, especially as an adult, right? Because I was a kid, I probably didn't understand as much as I could have back then. So now I want to go back and see like the decisions and the band I'm excited to look at, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But before we get there, we should probably focus on Why this episode here. Where it, all, where it all started. Uh, sure. We do a 30 second summary. And um, you have to do it in 30 seconds. Otherwise, you get, you know, a failure point. Um, You have to do a forfeit at the end of the season. This time, it is Jess's turn. It is. It is mine. And I lost last season, (laughs) and I had to sing our jingles. So um, for the ears of everybody out there, cross your fingers that I make it because we don't want me to sing again. Okay, whenever you guys are ready, let me know. Do three, two, one, go. Lorelai's in touch with the other side, and Lane's band is rehearsing for free in the music store, but wants to turn up the volume. Lorelai is invited to speak at Stars Hollow High and ropes in Butch Danes to join her. Mrs. Kim makes Lane apply to the strictest religious college programs, and Lane dyes her hair purple to rebel, and then dyes it back, all with Rory's help. Jess has a girl in the closet, and Lorelai's talk takes an unexpected turn. Lane's in love with Dave, Rory's not so in love with Dean, and Lorelai faces off against a pack of angry, identical blonde moms. Very Ooh. good, yes. A couple <laughs> seconds to spare. You know, right? it's funny, I, uh, I, I didn't realize, like, because on the Zoom, I'm seeing your screen, and I didn't realize at first that that was what that timer was. <laughs> I thought it was like an ad. You know, I, I thought, for some reason, I thought, like, Zoom was serving the ads, and it just happened to be that there was an ad with a timer on it that was <laughs> counting down 30 seconds. Wow. We discovered uh, early on that we are really good at talking far too long. 
so we we keep a timer on there as a very loose set of guidelines like you should probably be done by now <laughs> yeah yeah we we had we had that problem in uh in our remarkus watches we still do um i i have ideas for how i want to address it as we start to develop our our app um i want to because right now we're doing everything over clubhouse but eventually we're gonna we're gonna actually have our audio rooms will be in our own app well i think i succeeded right nobody's voting for a failure on that one awesome you did you came in two seconds you you had that was good yeah (laughs) some episodes there's just so much it's hard to pack it into 30 seconds and then there's episodes like this where i have a little spare time yeah So we start out at Luke's diner and it's pretty busy. And Jess is once again at the counter reading mm-hmm. instead of actually, you know, working, well, helping at all. Well, he's a rebel without a cause. He's got to lean. He's got to look handsome. That's kind of Jess right now. He's reading about the uh, origins of punk. So like, what else would you do? Ties in well with the episode. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, and we get... A cold open that I think is very, um, like, one of those cold opens where it doesn't connect to anything. Lorelai's talking about how she's connecting with the other side, and she's been having all these dreams about dying in silly ways, and it's just Lorelai being Lorelai. <laughs> she's so good at it. Early lo- or early early season Lorelai's, or I would say up until around season five, Lorelai's very Lorelai. Yeah, she's really quirky. She's I think we've talked about it briefly, but she's almost got like kind of like a manic pixie dream girl like thread through oh, her. Yeah. Where she's just she's that girl who's going to do that weird thing and like men are just going to fall at her feet. <laughs> what, what, I don't get the reference. Ma- manic pixie dream girl, what is that? Oh my gosh. Manic pixie dream girl, it's this trope of um it's the girl who makes weird sounds um natalie portman in garden state is like a classic manic pixie dream girl what about um um, what about uh um with meg ryan in uh um oh when harry met sally kind of a little bit she's a little bit more toned down but it's like you know how lorelei will like make weird sounds and and just be like quirky but it's all perceived as like super cute and super attractive it's like zoe deschanel and new girl yeah okay manic pixie dream girl yes look into the trope and then all of a sudden you won't be able to stop (laughs) see the manic pixie dream girls in everything okay well you know that that explains a lot. I I I I, ha- I didn't know that there was a. I mean, I certainly felt like Lorelai's Lorelai is a is a certain character trope, but I I didn't really never really put my finger on exactly what it was. But that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, certainly, she is manic pixie dream girl, heavy manic pixie dream girl in the first like half of the series. Once she starts, like, things start to really go wrong for her in later seasons, mm-hmm. that, that's, she starts to that. I feel like that, we hit the Yale I, years and just, like, the whole show tone shifts. Lorelai becomes much more serious as the owner of the inn. Lorelai's yes. in college. That's why, I like, that, that's why I like the later seasons. I, I like that Lorelai way better. Yeah. I love the fashion. 
<laughs> well, also in our cold open, we do get um, Lane. Lane mm-hmm. rushes in, steals a hamburger because she and the band are practicing. And she announces it to this entire room. Mm-hmm. Like she's excited. Mm-hmm. Yes, but like she is she's just answered this um the message and and we we actually established the band in the previous episode, correct? Yes. yes. Dave, we have Dave. Because he has a band. Dave, and she's like... You know, and, and he brings her in. But we actually haven't met the band. It's just it's just we know that 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 there is this band. She's going to... And so this is really the first opportunity that to actually meet meet the band here. And so, yeah, yes. we, get, we find out that it's going to happen, everyone. We are going to have a band on this show. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> And she's lying to her mom, or fibbing, quote-unquote. So, mm-hmm. question. I have a question. Yeah. Is this a true lie? It feels more like a I lie mean... of omission, because she is she is saying, I'm going to meet up with Lorelai Rory, which she does. She just yeah. doesn't give the whole picture. This is it's the kind lie. of lie that we <laughs> see Lane use frequently throughout, especially early seasons. I mean, I think t- it's, a, it's a lie. Like, you can call it a fib. You can call it a white lie. She's not telling the truth to her mom. And if her mom knew the truth, she would be upset. Totally. I, I think, like, I mean, Lane is definitely, <laughs> she is definitely the most um, uh, conniving. <laughs> is that, maybe that's not, maybe that's a little too negative. She's the most, she's, she's, she is the biggest liar, the biggest, like, you know, she's, the most manipulative i mean it's funny because she like you know she's using all of these like tactics that she's clearly developed over her life in order to combat her mother who's like ultra controlling but in a way it kind of gives her an immense amount of control she she becomes really good at controlling situations because she uses all of these strategies to get around this like ultra controller in in her mom and it makes the like you know the lane character you know uh, in contrast to Rory who at least in these early seasons is so good who doesn't you know who doesn't uh lie she would never like you know uh um do anything that her mother like without her mother's approval or 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 what it makes makes lane's character um Kind of a bad girl. Kind of like kind of the bad girl. <laughs> it's so weird to think of Lane of all people as the bad girl. Well, <laughs> she's definitely I, I think he's the right. rebel. Yeah. yeah. She is she's the rebel. And especially in this episode, this is where like she actively rebels. Yeah. She's good at it. That's the thing, is that she's really she's like really, really good at it. Like she if you need somebody to help you strategize some manipulation of some kind lane is actually really good to go to i mean you know and it didn't just start here with the band i mean you know she's got all kinds of she's got all kinds of strategies in those early seasons about how to like you know get you know some boy that she's interested in and get around her mom and you know and 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 henry and whatnot like she's just always she's always working it like lane is always working it Lane Kim knows how to put a spin on things. And for that reason alone, <laughs> Lane Kim for president. <laughs> well, and Lane grabs the burger, rushes out of the diner because she has to go practice. And we do get 
a little bit of a Jess and Shane moment, um, because as the Gilmores are getting up to leave the diner... After Shane, one bite of food, by the way. And, and no payment. Never any no pay- payment. They, they never um, paid Luke. Doesn't want Shane to walk out with her, rushed- She does walk yeah, out. She her, takes, yeah, she takes I Lorelai's. Feel like, I feel like Lorelai has some kind of some kind of deal but with, with it's got to be like, like a, a tag, kind of situation right? yeah i think i think i i never really questioned it i always just assume that like she sends him a check every i mean she needs to because they eat there so often yeah but <laughs> yeah shane rushes through and we get the first instance of that girl's a freak which we will see come back at the very end of this episode. Again, Shane is a villain here, and she shouldn't be a villain. No, Any of no. us, well, John excluded maybe, would love to kiss Jess Mariano. <laughs> I would rush through many doors and push past many people to do that. I'd kiss Jess Mariano. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, that's her boyfriend, right? Mm-hmm. And she should be allowed to go kiss her boyfriend. But Rory likes him, so she's the villain. Like, what's so great about this show is how how perceptions can change over time. You know, what's there is is the same thing that was there back in, you know, in the 2000s when people watched this for the first time. But viewers who were watching it then and were really on Rory's side, they that she was the villain. Like, like Shane was the villain. And oh, yeah. I fully remember feeling that way. And now, of course, you know, you know, you can look at it and, and I mean, it's very, it's actually, I think one of the things that is kind of enjoyable about the show is to, is to watch it now and, and realize like just how many things Rory is doing in these seasons that are just wrong. <laughs> Honestly, it just, yeah. it feels supremely real to me. Cause I remember like having those exact same feelings against the girl at the, the guy that I like is dating or whatever. It just, it feels very teenage. It very, it feels very like still trying to figure out your feelings. It's Mm -hmm. real. I'm not saying it's right, but it's real. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I would say that's, that's that I challenge, I challenge um, folks who really have like heart, like a, a real negative feeling about the later seasons and especially about season seven to go into it, thinking about that, considering that, because for somebody, you know, as somebody who didn't watch the show um, when it was on and was watching it for the first time, that is how I felt. I felt like it might not be what we want from these characters, but man, does it feel real. And I I actually would even, I would include the revivals in there as well. Like, yeah, like, is it really what we wanted from Rory after all these years? Maybe not, but does it seem realistic? Yeah, <laughs> for yeah. sure. You know, yeah. that, that, that there are, tons of women men people her age from her generation that are freaking lost completely lost totally struggling you know and i like that i i I like that i think that it's what keeps the show relevant um through the years like and eventually like that's gonna pass into how people feel about emily you know and all of the like negativity that that people had towards the emily character because the emily character also is a villain at times, right? Like during the show, because, because if you are rooting for Lorelai, then she's your antagonist. But I I think that that's going to also change as, you know, as people grow into the show. I know it's, it's a, it's cool. Well, not having a villain arc in this moment, having a little bit of a hero arc is lame because after we get through the intro, we are introduced to the band. We're in the music shop 
and they are playing very, very quietly. <laughs> yeah. The gentle level of three. Right? That is the agreement. <laughs> they can practice for free in the music shop, but it has to be quiet. Partially because of their agreement with Sophie, but also because Mrs. Kim can hear non-Christian music up to, what, a football field away or something, or ten football yeah. fields. And Lane is trying so hard. <laughs> Every time I see this scene, I just think it's funny that, like, one of those members is her future husband is not the one that it's, we should be thinking. Yeah, I was thinking about that a lot too. Like you're so hooked on Dave and then Zach is so like peripheral at this point. You wouldn't even think about them being together. He's like yeah. the grumpy one. There, there's no doubt that like, like there, there's no way that that was even a, like the smallest thought in the minds of the writers. That's what I find, that's what I especially find exciting and cool. Um, because, you know, it means that, like, I know that, you know, I know that people often value, like, how much planning goes into a show. Like, you often hear, like, oh, you know, the writers, the, the writers totally knew that, like, that they were going to, you know, that they were going to do that, like, all the way back to season one, you know? <laughs> and and there's, like, this, like, this sense of, like, of, of awe of the writers, but I think the opposite is equally awesome. Um, and uh, this idea that like that the writers are on a journey just like us mm-hmm. and that they don't have it all planned out, all re all totally written, written out. And they're just, you know, going, you know, just, just painting by, by the numbers, <laughs> this idea that like, that like they're, that they're learning who these characters are and what they want at the same time that we are or almost the same time that we are. And so the idea that that they that they had no idea at all that Zach was going to that Zach and Lane were going to um eventually be married these two characters I I think is really I think is really cool and um and just it it makes the it makes the show feel for me it makes it feel more alive. Yeah, there's something really cool about that organic growth process yeah i mean look the dave character is named after a real person dave rogalski Mm -hmm. the real the real husband of helen pye who is kind of the you know the inspiration for lane so they clearly wanted the dave character to grow into her eventual husband but then things adam brody and his dang career he ends up going in a different direction and so they kind of have to roll with those punches they have to like you know like okay like how do we adjust like if we treat this storyline as real life this is something that happened we thought that this was going to work and it didn't work so how do we adjust and um and looking into the band for that adjustment, I think is is just is really cool um, and unexpected. And personally, I think that Zach is a considerably more interesting uh, husband character for Lane than Dave ever would have been. He definitely creates more conflict. I think that if yeah. Dave had stuck around, they would have had a much smoother relationship. 
Um, which, you know, some people love to watch that. Some people love to watch the turmoil. And we definitely get a little bit of, of turmoil uh, with with Zach. Who likes to watch just nothing but like, <laughs> but just good, good times, like everything is working. Like, I, like for me, I, I can't imagine a show like that. That that's what I love so much about the Zach character is how flawed he is. And that all of that flaw gives us so much interesting conflict. Um, yeah, like the big stuff, you know, um, in in later in the later seasons, but just like, like the little conflict, all of the little idiosyncrasies of that character that have to be navigated. There was just nothing about the Dave character that needed any kind of real navigation. Um, he was just ideal from the get-go. And I and I I still wonder like what would they have done if he had been like, yeah, I want to stay like, um, you know, like, like make me a, I mean, he would have definitely become a, a he would have become a season re- regular, a series regular for sure. Um, but how would they have, how would they have evolved that? I mean, look at, look at like Max Medina, right? Like Max for me is another character that suffered from, he's just got like, like there's so little about him that's that's really truly flawed and because of that like his lasting power is just not there narratively like he was very know. bland yeah he was we, a little honestly yeah. watching yeah. watching the max medina arc like there are episodes where you go without seeing him and you forget that lorelei is in a relationship yeah, <laughs> yeah no, and then what happens is that lorelei clearly gets bored of it and just realizes that this person doesn't challenge her and my gut tells me that that probably would have happened with with Dave, that they would have realized, like, he's not really challenging her. He's just, you know, he's just kind of perfect. He's just this, like, perfect ideal, this ideal love interest. But, you know, can we imagine him having an ex-girlfriend or somebody that comes into the picture and makes things difficult? I can't. Like, certainly, like, you know, I can't imagine him. He doesn't seem to have very many, like, you know, of his own complexes that he's working through. And that's, you know, I mean, that's the reason why we love Luke so much, because he's so flawed. And and that all of those flaws with all of Lorelai's flaws create great story. Yeah. Dave makes a great first boyfriend. Somebody you can look back on and reminisce and be like, you were so Mm -hmm. fun to hang out with. But that's kind of it. Yes. Right now, this is the beginning of Dave. I mean, this is the beginning of the band. So this scene sets up. This is a band. She's the only girl. She's the drummer. Um, and there's a lot of tension in the band at this moment because the band wants to play at regular volumes. And Lane is really stuck here because she doesn't have the freedom that these guys do to go and rent a space or to go play in Hartford, which is the suggestion that is made here. And that that really scares her. And it makes her need to step away of course we do meet brian in this scene uh and i think the first thing we learn is that he has a deviated septum like boom (laughs) hello this is the character (laughs) right off the bat (laughs) so one thing we find out in this scene a blink and you miss it kind of moment kirk had a band yes Mm -hmm. the kirk what was it the kirk gleason five Mm -hmm. so this is is that supposed to be kirk's last name kirk gleason Yes, that is his last okay. name. Yes, that's his last name. But that means he had four other people. You did not I know that was his wasn't last... sure. Oh, really? <laughs> Kirk Gleason, it, it, yeah. No, I, ha- I have tons of random Gilmore facts shoved in my head, and some of them I I've, I've might have made up. 
Oh no, Kirk Leeson is. <laughs> well, we know is... that Kirk, Kirk has like what twelve siblings. So mm-hmm. Jackson yes. Five was family. I'm sure that Kirk probably roped four of his siblings into a band with him. Yeah. So here's the thing about Brian in this first episode is I think that like one of the things that I was doing because I you know I mean I didn't really totally know who Brian was uh, in this episode but like I think that I was playing the slacker trope a bit you know so I had this mm-hmm. kind of like healing like kind of <laughs> thing going on kind of thing and that's not totally Brian Brian becomes a lot more dynamic like for me oh, yeah. for me the like quintessential Brian is like is you jump I jump Jack where he like you know but he like busts up their date you know or like when he's got the tea mm-hmm. and he's like presenting it to to um to Mrs. Kim or like his toy collection and that doesn't really totally line up with this particular first Brian although you mm-hmm. could you could maybe explain it by saying that I'm just very tired. Like maybe they've been rehearsing for a very long time and Brian is just like really, really needs to go to sleep. He's super tired. It's really fun to see Lane kind of like trying to hold her own against these guys because she's the new one. Lane gets upset and she rushes out. Well, not even rushes out. Dave like shuffles her out. Dave pulls her out. Dave pulls her out because she's she's getting a little, she's getting a little hot. Well, she's yes. about to shove she's her drumstick out. up Brian's nose, unfortunately. Yes. Fix the deviated septum, so yeah, let's avoid yes. the violence. Although I don't think that that will fix a deviated septum. I think that that actually might... I don't think, I don't think I so. I think that that might actually make it a little worse. <laughs> I think I might deviate it a bit more. Lane thinks that Dave is the leader, and I wonder if that's because she has a crush on Dave, or because he is truly the Of the leader. band? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know, I never really thought about that. I don't think there was a leader. I never really thought about it, about whether or not that there was a leader. I mean, I don't think, I, I you know, I think that Zach, like starting season four, Zach kind of has a leadership quality to him where he kind of takes. I think so too. But, you know, I mean, he, his style of leading is, it's so ridiculous that, and I, that I feel like everybody in the band is kind of like, um, I don't know if that's the best way to do it, dude. Um, and so I would imagine that probably even here in this, in this first season with the band, I would imagine Zach is probably thinks that he's the leader. He definitely speaks like he thinks that when he says we need yes. to do something different, everybody else is going to be like, okay, yes, right. we're going to do it. <laughs> right. And I and I feel like that probably Dave, because Dave is just, you know, he's just a good guy. I think Dave probably just like, eh, it's fine. Just let him think that he's the leader. You know, I, I, I don't think that Dave himself thinks mm-hmm. that he's the leader. I just think that he's probably just like, whatever, we're just playing music, man. <laughs> I know Dave specifically says, like, we're a democracy. There's no de facto leader mm. or any, anything mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. um so i'd say dave right. definitely does not believe as himself the leader i think lane thinks it because he was the one that approached her first about yeah. joining the band and then also because of the mondo crush that she has on him right yeah right yeah. right right and it kind of seems like dave at, at the very least appreciates her a lot here we don't know if he has a crush on her we we do in the future but like he doesn't want her out of the band mm-hmm. He wants to make sure she stays. 
and they have to figure something out. It's interesting that you say that we don't know that he is interested in her. I never really thought of that because I guess I always just assumed that everyone assumed that they were a love interest the moment that they saw him. But now that I think back on it, I was probably just told that, you know, I was probably just told like, oh, yeah, this, you know, you're going to be in a storyline where they are creating a love interest for one of the series regulars on the show. And I and then because of that, I probably just saw it like that. But now that you say it, like, I guess there isn't really necessarily anything up until right now that, you know, definitely says these two are into each other. I mean, she we know she's into him, but like we don't know yeah. for sure that he's into her. We just know that he needs a drummer and that like, you know, he's really into music and he certainly appreciates her musical knowledge and, you know, yeah. and whatnot, but um but we don't know yet. It's very possible, totally possible so, that he's got how a girl. Could you not? What no, but I'm saying it's very possible that he has a girlfriend. Like like, you know, if I didn't if I didn't oh, yeah. know what was coming next, I guess I could assume like, uh oh, like some like things something's There's gonna the trouble go. On the horizon yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> right, right. Because he is so perfect that in my mind, you know, certainly as a writer, but like you know, just as a TV viewer, I think my gut would be telling me like, okay, this is just too perfect. What's gonna happen? And. I guess I never thought of it because I knew that I was coming into a into a storyline that was about about a love interest, but I guess if I didn't know and I was just an audience member, I'd probably assume that she's going to put herself out there on the line, profess her her her, you know, interest in him and he's going to be kind of like, uh, "I'm not actually like that's not really I don't know, I don't have feelings for you or I Actually, I'm with somebody and have been with them for a long time. <laughs> wow, yeah, would that would have been awkward. That would have been awesome, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it could have even been the like, let's keep it professional. Yes, like she mentions later on in the episode, and that could have been attention, right? Yeah, yeah. Like the... and that actually, then that actually does have some narrative juice because then they could, if they're like, well, we do still want these two to to be love interests. Um, but we now have a huge obstacle, which is he's not interested in her. He just wants to play music with her and he just, you know, respects her as a musician and he's got a girlfriend and like, Mm -hmm. how are they going to eventually get together? That is a story I would watch. Assuming they eventually get together. Right. Yeah. Right. It might not happen. And that like, again, that that's what keeps me watching. Like, there's no way that I'm going to believe that the the obstacle in their path is going to be Mrs. Kim, right? Like it because the Mrs. Kim character is so over the top that, you know, I just I assume that we're going to have some funny moments of him trying to like, you know, appeal to Mrs. Kim, but in the end he'll be able to win Mrs. Kim's heart and and all of that, right? So that's just not a big enough it's just not a big enough obstacle, but man, if he had a girlfriend and if he didn't and if he didn't want this to be anything but professional that would be a good story i'd watch that dave rogalski story poor lane town meeting listeners send your dave isn't the greatest guy fan fiction to john he would love it i would love it i would love it send it my way bring on the angst yes if you have some really 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 angsty 
just some really conflicted Dave Rogalski stories. Um, I am your, I'm your, your prime audience for that. <laughs> and you can write, you can write Brian out of the band if you want. You don't have to keep me. Oh, I mean, if it's that good, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm okay with it. <laughs> um, we do move on to Lane is left wondering how she's going to get to Hartford three times a week. So logically, the next day she calls Rory. Well, yeah. We need to get our main character back into, mm-hmm. <laughs> into the show. Um, and she's in her secret closet. Guys, how does she keep this closet a secret? I don't understand. No, and I also don't feel like the big reveal when much later on, you know, Mrs. Kim discovers the closet, the CDs in the floor. I feel like. It didn't feel like, oh my gosh, the huge revelation it should have been. This closet? I feel like Mrs. Kim is the classic put your clothes away for you, mom. Right? Like, mm. presses has, and like, hangs a, your clothes. Controlling everything, yeah. And a lava lamp. And- yeah, but this goes back to, like, Lane, Lane has become very, very good at deflecting and strategizing and you know, to a degree, manipulating her own mom, I would imagine that her mom probably, you know, that Mrs. Kim probably did fold her clothes and, and, uh, and, and Lane might have recognized that as a big problem. And then she had to, she had to get around it. So maybe she folds her clothes like there at the lawn, at the washing, you know, like as it right comes out of the dryer and she's mm-hmm. like, I got to do this. Otherwise, if I don't, she'll come up into my room. Yeah. Yeah, Lane's definitely proactive. Yeah. So she definitely would have been like, you know what? I'll bring exactly, the clothes up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I'll, that's I'll, my responsibility. Like, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll Mama, yeah. I'll I'll fold all of these. I'll fold everything for you. I'll take it. I'll put it upstairs. But what are you saying though that like you feel like the big reveal wasn't like that Mrs. Kim wasn't like as shocked as she should have been? I feel like it, it it there was like not a lot of fanfare around it. I can't remember exactly how it happens, but I just know she like comes in and Mrs. Kim is there and everything is lifted up and open. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking like, oh, you know, I was expecting her to. Like, it wasn't burst dramatic. In one day. Yeah, exactly. There it was dramatic. It was just sad. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this was tele. This was television in the two thousands. It's not like if 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 that was a television show today. You know, we would have had something, I I think, probably a bit more dramatic than that. Maybe. This is I don't the know. same Mrs. Kim that after the episode in the band, um, the band at the party, and Lane calls her drunk, there is no backlash other than, like, Lane continuously punishing herself. It's like yeah. Mrs. Kim at that point doesn't even, that we ever see either. So she's apparently not the dramatic punisher. She's the slow until you kill yourself punisher (laughs) yes and i think that also probably that that also probably comes from the fact that mrs kim we learn was also a rebel when she was young i know that blows my mind every time (laughs) yeah i mean i think mrs kim leads she she rules by intimidation she doesn't actually i don't Mm -hmm. mrs kim doesn't follow through on a lot of the a lot of the fear a lot of the fear um that she peddles you know um, mm-hmm. we learn. Because I think the fear we keeps Lane in line. Yeah, and this and you know, how we, I was raised. I know how it works. Yeah, right, and we, you know, and we we actually <laughs> learn a little bit about this in the episode where where um 
Dave like reads through the Bible, like trying to find, like trying to discover like what it was. And then, and then we find out that like it's from Shakespeare and Mrs. Kim was just completely trolling him. Yeah, and that is sort of our first hint that like ultimately Mrs. Kim might be like a lot of this might be just Mrs. Kim figured out a great strategy herself for keeping people in line, which doesn't really require her to do anything, you know, anything really tyrannical, just scare people into thinking that she would. And then they and then they just don't do anything. I mean, she does do a very good job of terrifying Zach. Yeah, but I mean, what would she have done? What, what what would she have done? Like now, you know, if you think about it, like if Zach really had just stopped there and thought, like, what would he have done? What would she have done? You know, like what he's like. You never know until you find out. Like when he's like, hit me, hit me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like she's not gonna hit you. <laughs> so, do you guys think that Lane should have just told her the truth here? That. It would have solved her problem. She does try, right? That's a, a point a little mm-hmm. bit later in the episode. I think that if Lane told her mom, her mom would tell her, you need to leave. At this point, with this Mrs. Kim, I don't think there would have been a moment. I don't think she would have kicked so. her out. She's 16. She's, she's a minor. No, yeah, she's 16. No, she would have kicked her out of the band. She oh. would have made her leave the band. Oh. She would have no. put on house arrest. Like, but here's the thing. Do you think that... Do you think that, <laughs> yeah. that Lane would have not just figured out some strategy to get out of the house and do the band anyway. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she totally would. And do like, you think? And do you think that even Mrs. more sneaky? Yeah, and do you think that Mrs. Kim knows that about her daughter? I think Mrs. Kim knows more than she lets on. Yes, yeah. I think that Mrs. Kim. On, I think that Mrs. Kim knows how sneaky her daughter is, and I think that you know her. She knows she can't really stop her, so she's the best she can do is just scare her <laughs> as much as she can, which which I guess seems sort of counterproductive. It's like, look, if she's going to do it anyway, why are you scaring her? Just like, you know, like may, maybe the solution is just let her do it, and then maybe she'll maybe she'll be more open with you and you can if she does everything with a hint of fear then she'll never go too far past that line maybe maybe that maybe the that fear is keeps what it her is contained in a yes in a certain area without going too far out that might be you know what that i think that i think that that's the reason you, you i think you nailed it that that is the reason that like she knows she's doing it she knows she's doing it she doesn't want her to fall off the edge so she's given her just enough fear that like she'll do it because that's Lane, and Lane's going to do it because she's my daughter, and I did it because I was just like her when I was that age. So I remember that the fear my mother put into me kept me from taking that final step that could have a- actually gotten me hurt, so I'm going to do the same to my daughter. I don't know. Is that healthy? I don't really – I don't know the answer. As a young – as a new father, um, the it doesn't sound like something that I would want to do, but – um, but it, it, it does it does seem to make some logical sense. And there is another key phone call that happens in this scene. Um, and that is for Lorelai. We get a call from Debbie, Kathy's mom, um, oh, who Debbie. wants to invite Lorelai to speak at Stars Hollow High. And of course, Lorelai is at first kind of on the fence about this. Um, But when she realizes that they're kind of trying to honor her because they recognize that as a young woman, she's doing a great job running the inn, she says, yes, of course. And she even agrees to try to rope in Luke. Try? There is no try. 
Yeah, <laughs> there is no try. Um, I find Lorelai's insecurity a little weird. Like, I feel like she knows that she's doing good. Um, but at the same time, I understand, like, when you are successful and someone tells you you're successful, sometimes your initial thoughts are, no, 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 I'm, like, downplaying yeah, it or something. It's, a, it's one thing right? to hear from the people at the inn, from the people she works with every day, but, like, this random person in town to call up and be like, hey, you do great at your job. Do you want to come talk to these kids? And you're like, wait, what? Like, I've kept it afloat, but what else have I really done? So it's cool to, like, get that outside recognition outside of your normal circle. And so she agrees. She says she will bring Luke. Uh, she accidentally calls Debbie Deb, and Deb is like, oh my gosh, you remember how much I hate being called Deb. It sounds like the Stars Hollow moms have just really missed her spark and her wit. <laughs> oh, when you're a Stepford wife with no sense of humor, anything's going to be funnier than nothing. <laughs> So the one thing, because this will be brought up later on, we establish that this is going to happen at Thursday at four. Oh God! Remember that. Oh, no. Is there a because time the timeline time black hole? is Thursday at four? Messed up. <laughs> I don't know what that. Thursday, Thursday at four. At four. Right. So we one thing that we fall into black holes of discussion about on the podcast all the time is the wonky Gilmore Girls timeline, mm. where they're doing things and they're saying times and they're saying travel times or dates, and we're like, this does not work. <laughs> so I'm interested to see how this come back comes back to get us. Santa. All right. Um, <laughs> moving forward. We get another Lane scene, and Lane is trying to talk herself into telling Mrs. Kim about the band. She's on the stairs, she's on the fence about even saying anything, and then Mrs. Kim calls her in. So Lane does ramble, which is really cute. Does Lane know that her mom was a musician as well? I don't don't think think so. so. Not at this point. Because I think if she did, that would be a great angle to come at this from. Yeah. Um, but I think that's something we learn later. Because I think when Mrs. Kim is taking over and, and sees Gil's van and is like, yeah, all 27 girls or however many would, would fit nicely with their tamperee, with their tamperees, Lane's like, my family's crazy. And I, I always took that as an, oh, my mom was in a band and is now supporting me doing this after all this fight and all this hiding. And now we're just out there and out in the open. Hmm. So I just took it as a, yeah, Lane did not know. Well, what is supposed to be Lane's moment of opening up to her mom and sharing this wish turns into something a lot less fun. College applications. <laughs> that Mrs. Oh. Kim fills out. And, and ju- Reverend, yes. Reverend Mueller. And they're yeah. all to religious schools. I went to a religious college. I went to a Catholic college. At no point did they ask me in the application, what questions would I ask Jesus? <laughs> but <laughs> if you met him walking along the street. I, yeah, well, but all of that, all of the religious stuff in the show and specifically like all of the Mrs. Kim is just is just over the top. It's it's I mean, designed to be more like farcical than anything realistic. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. I mean, even There's her, no her like. I've already removed all of the bad colleges, the ones that let the boys sit with the girls. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Mrs. Although, Kim. although you know, I mean, some of the stuff is is really based in reality. Like, I know mm-hmm. the real Dave Rogalski, the, the like Helen Pye 
did come from a religious um, household. And the real Dave Rogalski did like play a Bible. Like he, he, he told me that he did play like a Bible study um, gig early on in their relationship. And that was like really, truly, they, they got that in the story from a real event that happened. I don't think it was quite as, you know, quirky as the way that they, that they did it, but, but yeah, yeah. You know, I mean like, you know, churches, churches certainly have music. (laughs) Yeah. And I love that Mrs. Kim starts filling it out. Yeah, yeah, because of course, Mrs. Kim. <laughs> but yeah, that must be daunting for Lane, right? Like you're there, you're thinking like, I'm going to be in this band. Oh no, my whole life. It doesn't end at 18. It continues. Yeah. She's kind of seeing her, her freedom fall her, away. Yeah, her future yeah. is now going to this college. Yeah. Maybe in Nicaragua. Like, yeah. Can you imagine going that far out of country just to go to some religious college that you do not want to go to? No, that would be, and it would be, I would think, obscenely expensive to go to presumably a private university in a different country. Like, I don't know how well the antiques market is in in Stars Hollow, but apparently Miss Kim has money if she thinks that can happen. No, Mrs. Kim would have a network in the Seventh-day Adventist that would house Lane. Um, Yeah. Tuition, I'm sure, would be supremely low because it's not in the United States. True. They did pay for her to go to Korea. They did? Yeah. yeah. Mrs. Well, Kim has her ways. <laughs> <laughs> we move on to Lorelai, who is so excited for the speech, guys. She wrote note cards. She's practicing them. Michelle is mocking the hell out of her. Yes, but I have to say we are still in the, the stream of... Lorelai and Michelle are friendly co-workers. Mm-hmm. Season one, season two, Lorelai is a menace to Michelle. She is not <laughs> nice to him. I would have ha- had her written up by HR. And now we are getting this retcon in season three of, oh, they're buddies. They banter. It's not mean. It's just they work together and they, they play off each other. Right. Which I appreciate. Because otherwise, why would Michelle want to go to the new inn with them later? Like, they needed to make these relationships real. Like, he mocks her, but as soon as she's like, okay, go away, he understands, like, okay, this is done now. Before, yes. it was like he would just continue, or she would mm-hmm. continue. Yeah. So it the, the relationship has reconned. Yes. And we get a call from Luke, and Luke is like, I'm out. I don't want to do this. <laughs> So Lorelai start, starts with a horrible, was it, Guys, um, yeah. Louis we, Armstrong impression? We missed a scene, right? Apparently she went into the Luke Steiner and did baby talk until he agreed. Oh, I goodness. would have preferred to see that scene instead of the Louis Armstrong uh, impersonation. I'm not going to okay. lie to you. Yes. Wait, would you wait, rather? Wait, wait, wait did, that, did that happen? Wait. Explain that. No, she did a Louis. So you don't Ar- see it. She did a Louis Armstrong. But where did talk. the ba- where did the baby talk thing happen? We don't see the baby talk. The baby talk happens off screen. That is apparently how she convinced Luke to do this talk with her. Um, and now he's backing out, and instead of baby talk, she is doing her Louis Armstrong. Which would you guys rather? Would you rather have Lorelai sing our jingles in the Louis Armstrong voice, or me sing our jingles again? 
You. Yeah. Uh, I <laughs> I would definitely take anything over Lorelai doing baby. <laughs> yeah. No, doing baby voice. No way. Yeah. Like baby voice. No, baby no. voice. That that. No. I feel like that only works on Luke because we know that Luke is like low key in love with Lorelai, which I get it. Yeah. So she eventually kind of like hangs up on him. She's like, yeah. nope, we're still going. Not he doesn't have a choice. No. Well, the yeah. reason why Luke doesn't want to do it is because he doesn't want to go back to his old high school, which right. to that point, I understand, right? I like not it, everyone like, has Luke- a great high school experience. Luke works across the street from his high school. He sees it every single day. Well, let's day. think about yeah. the last time he the went. From it. The it's last so time he went, it was when the principal was yelling was at him trouble. because of Jess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's funny, like, I, I forget that the show takes place right in front. Most of it takes place right in front or constantly passing in front of a high school that we barely ever go Bare- into or have any mm-hmm. like any like it's so, so interesting because like usually if there's a show especially a teenage show with a high school like you're gonna be in that high school all the time and no no like bar- like barely anybody in the show goes to the high school or they do but like we don't really focus on them being at the high school and i never really thought about it but yeah that, that that's true like he would have gone to the high school like he went to the high school and yeah, I mean, pretty much all of the townies presumably went through Stars Hollow yeah. High at some point. Mm-hmm. And it's funny when we actually get there because, yeah, Luke is like, I don't want to go back. And the last time he did go, yes, Jess was in trouble and that's obviously not a great experience. But it's not like Luke was like some unpopular like nerd who was getting, you know, bullied. This is Butch Danes. <laughs> he has yeah. a legacy. Yeah. <laughs> And apparently, I don't know if it's in this episode or not, but Kirk specifically mentions that Luke made fun of him. So Luke was clearly high man on campus. Yeah, Luke was definitely a cool kid. But wait a second. before we get to Wait a second. I don't think it's in this episode. Wait, wait, what did Luke and did Luke and Kirk go they didn't go to high school at the so same time? We, yeah, they did. Yeah. They we, we had a discussion. Luke was like maybe like an upperclassman when Kirk was an underclassman. Yeah, but that still wouldn't Doesn't make align sense. at all. Like, there's there's just no way that that See, would align. This is the black hole. Yep. There's and just yet no they way said that it happens. <laughs> Where? In what episode? Oh, we're, um, we would have to look well, through. Yeah, I'd have to figure out which Please one. Please let is. me know because I have to watch that. I have. I mean, that that sounds to me like. Completely I will ridiculous. send some random message in a week to all Diana right. of I found the episode. All right, all right. She'll be like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, because that, that's I mean that's weird. I mean, you know, he is certainly older than you know than the teenage characters on the show, mm-hmm. but I don't think that he's he's definitely at least ten years younger than than uh, than Luke. Yeah, it's the Kirk character, especially in early seasons, is all over the place, right? He starts off as Mick, then he's Kirk the Jerk, who Miss Patty has never heard of before. Like, Kirk is all over the place. It's not, I think, until late seasons that we really get an idea of, like, true Kirk. How old is Kirk? Um, in the the old season. But he's younger than Lorelai. Because Lorelai, when he asked her out, they mentioned that he's younger than Lorelai, and she's 32 at that point. Yeah, so he's in. So I would have figured he's definitely. In, 
he's in his 20s. So mm-hmm. there's just no way that he <laughs> was at the same school that Luke was at while they were both at school together. Like, there's just no way. Yeah. Maybe Luke was picking on middle schoolers or elementary school <laughs> kids. Like, maybe Luke he was just like, dick. just not nice. Wow, that, that would re- that would be a real interesting take on the uh, on the Luke character. He does. Luke doesn't strike me as a character who would pick on people. I feel like Luke just doesn't. Mm-hmm. He strikes me as like as like somebody who just wouldn't. He wouldn't be interested in that. Like it just it it, yeah. it, it wouldn't. And that actually, if he saw somebody picking on somebody else, he'd actually probably begrudgingly help the person who was being picked on. Yeah. Even before we meet Liz, he just feels mm-hmm. like the big brother type. That's true. Right. He's just going to be like, like you said, grudgingly, but he's going to come in and take care of anybody who's getting picked on. Right. That being right. said, I do see similarities between Luke and Jess. And oh, sure. Yeah. Jess doesn't pick on people, but no. he, de- he defends himself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Luke would also defend himself. He is he a bit of a troll. A lot of people in his head. He is a bit of a troll, <laughs> yeah. though. I mean, you know, he does like steal people's gnomes and and. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, there is a little bit of him that is, you know, somebody who I could I could maybe see, but I don't. I, I can't see him being like physically. I can't see him being mean to another person. Like, yeah. like ni- neither Luke nor Jess like being actually like like hurting somebody's feelings. Yeah, they'd just be just to hurt rough and grumpy yeah. and yeah. yeah. Well, before we actually get to Stars Hollow High, um, we have, I don't even know, a lot of the time we talk about, you know, there's like an A plot and a B plot. Mm-hmm. I feel like this episode is pretty evenly split down the middle. We have the, the Rory plot and the Lorelai plot. So jumping back into the Rory plot, which is the Lane plot, Lane has decided how she is going to rebel. Oh, yeah. She's going to rebel by dyeing her hair. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. And the wig. I think, <laughs> yes, we will <laughs> get wig. to it. Um, but yeah, she has decided that she's going to rebel by dyeing her hair and they are in the beauty shop and they are just doing it. There's no thought. It's just grab and go. Well, Rory has a couple thoughts. Yeah. Rory <laughs> is the one who is not dyeing her hair, which I feel like a lot of our listeners probably have been in that situation where you have a friend who's trying to do a dramatic hair change and they want your help. And you're like, are you sure? I will help you, but are you sure? At least yeah. nothing was cut. I am not, I Everybody am not a licensed hair, hair right? stylist, yeah. colorist. Yeah. <laughs> I do not know anything about handling chemicals that can potentially burn your scalp. Yeah, make your well, we're going to talk about it. That's going to happen. No, I took like four inches off of my friend's hair one time because she came over my house and was like, will you cut my hair? And I was like, are you sure? And I cut four inches of her hair off in my mom's bathroom. And then she had to go get it fixed because I was a teenager. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to talk about some background stuff real quick. Yeah. So there's so many pumpkins and like Halloween decorations in the background, which means we miss Rory's 18th birthday. But she is officially 18 right now. Because hmm. her birthday's her October yeah. 4th. Right. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right, Or right. Stars Hollow begins decorating on October 1. But even so, means. like, we miss it because there it's is never no mentioned. Birthday party. Yeah, there well, is no. And we know that Taylor had to fill September, and he filled September with the summer thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So I feel like they're still doing summer stuff in September. So, uh, yeah, I guess... 
con- happy birthday, Rory. Yeah, who knew? Wow. Happy birthday. It's a big one, too. Um, 18, you know? Yeah, yeah you would have thought like, it would have been mentioned at least a little bit. Or even like a Friday yeah. night dinner kind of thing. That, yeah. she can, that she can go fight. She could go fight for our country. Right. <laughs> How do Lorelai and Rory have such a huge plan for her 21st birthday party? But nothing for the 18th? Well, well because mean, the 21st birthday 18. comes with... Yeah, because that that's sort of what I was getting at, which is like, you know, 18 is like, you know, it, the main thing is, what, you can buy cigarettes and, and you... Booze get, and gamble. Well, you, you can't, can't no, not you can't booze. Oh, sorry. About the no, you can't, yeah, no, 21st. Yeah. 21st is the, well, fun, like, is the fun stuff. Yeah. The thing about like, so you turn 18, right? Like, let's say you turn 18 and you're like, I can gamble now. Wild. And you go to Vegas... You can't even do everything in Vegas because a lot of it is still restricted to 21 and up. Right. So when you turn 18, it's like, cool, I'm an adult, but I, I can just raise my hand and ask to go to the bathroom. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I can still see him going out to buy like 18 lottery tickets. Oh, absolutely. Seeing, that sounds like, like them. That's what I did. I went and bought my mom a pack of cigarettes and a bunch of lottery tickets. And I was like, here's your cigarettes, mom. I'm going to go win me a dollar fifty. <laughs> Narratively, it doesn't really get you very far. Whereas like, yeah. you know, yeah. the idea of... of their 20 of her 21st being this like you know big deal that they're gonna like you know it just it, 20, 21 phone numbers from 21 guys 20 yeah, yeah tw- go to 20, atlantic city which 21st is by the way a big deal from new jersey the girl from new jersey atlantic city don't go for your 21st it, it's fine go to vegas do the big trip <laughs> atlantic well, city can't. sucks I, well <laughs> i unfortunately missed that i i i missed that boat so i i I can't uh, go to Atlantic City on my 21st anymore, but yeah, um, I'm I'm turning 30 at the end of this month, so I, I I'm the youngest, and I have definitely passed that mark. Um, did you have more background, Sandra? No, that was it. Oh, yeah. um, the Stars Hollow Beauty Supply Store. Kirk worked there, right? In the previous episode, we back. did see Kirk there. Have they gotten stuff here before? I felt like this was maybe the first time we'd seen this set. It might be, and it might be confusing it with like a later. I feel like we see him in there until, until later. Lorelai's going to Yale. Okay. Because yeah. Lorelai goes in looking for, like, night cream, and, mm-hmm. oh, and then, yeah. like, Kirk walks out with, you know, a parachute on his back. So, yeah, <laughs> well, they go for die, and unfortunately, Rory notices who's behind the counter, and it is Shane. Yes, and now Shane is a villain for existing and having a job at a place that Rory needs to go. <laughs> like... Yeah, Shane really can't catch a break when it comes to Rory. Um, you know, it's just, it is what it is. It's that teenage jealousy over somebody dating the boy that you want. But they do pick out a color. It's going to be purple. They talk her out of pink. They talk her out of blue. And they go with purple, which combination of the two works. It's rock and roll royalty. How could you not choose purple? Yes. They check out. Rory has this weird moment where she gets all weird about Shane giving them a, a money back guarantee if her hair falls out. Which, honestly, to me, what they do to her hair is a very <laughs> fair question. <laughs> yes. Yeah. When you have two teenage girls, especially to go from, okay, to go from Lane's natural hair, which is a dark mm-hmm, black and mm-hmm. she's got thick hair, to the super, super light purple they end up with in one session. Her hair and then would back have for ride. Yeah. Back to black. <laughs> yeah. It would have fallen out. Literally clumps there... on the floor. <laughs> yeah. And also it go- when it goes back to black, it's like 
a very natural black. It's yeah. oh, her yeah, actual yeah. black hair. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, yep. it's it's uh, it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. That 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 wig was just so. Yes. Um, I just want to uh show everyone what Shane is wearing. So Shane is wearing a closed top up here. It's like purple. Mm-hmm. Just keep that in mind <laughs> for later on. Okay. 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 Well, the next this scene, is a timeline. This is a timeline <laughs> thing. Lorelai goes to the diner and mm-hmm. she's ready for this. Luke is not. Luke is yes. in an apron. <laughs> no, yeah. this is his most successful outfit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is what he wears to work every day. Lorelai is wearing what she wears to work some days. I think it would have been fine for Luke to wear this, but Lorelai is not having it. Lorelai is like, no, you need to get changed. And they go upstairs, and you see Jess fiddling with his belt, walking across mm-hmm. the room, sitting down in so the chair. So this is happening at the same time. When Shane is, Shane is still at, at <laughs> the beauty store. Yes. She is also hiding. Shane has a twin. Oh, Shane is oh, a double right, person. Right, I, I, I'd forgotten about this. That's right. She, she's up there. She's in the closet. Yes. Yes. Or um, is it? Well, so <laughs> Lorelai picks out it is. a shirt. You know, he there's a, a Jimmy Buffett joke in there. Um, and Luke changes. They're all good. And as they leave, they've closed the door. They've left Jess behind. Lorelai mentions, Jess has a girl Lorelai. in the closet. But do yeah. we know if it's Shane? We do it because later be on, it, no, later on he says it's Shane. Got like it. He said he it does was Shane. Say it's Shane, mm-hmm. but everybody knows he is dating Shane. Yeah. So Shane, as we just saw, is at her job. Is yeah. just two timing. So what if? What what if there is no girl in his closet? But he says there is later on. Yeah, he well, says yes. Yeah. There's a there is. So, yeah, maybe he just, just dive in into the bad. Boy. I was just gonna say, maybe he's just playing up, pl- playing the the bad boy maybe. trope. He's like, he's like, you know what? If you want to believe that there's a girl in my closet, I'll, I'll, I'll be that guy for you. I really don't care. Yeah, he's trolling yeah. Lorelai. Yeah, That's exactly yeah. what she thinks. Exactly. Yeah, and he's like, right now in this scene, he's sarcastic as hell. Right, he's mm-hmm. talking more than ever because I think he's nervous. Do, uh, how does she know that there's a girl in his closet? She sees he, because Lorelai's the cool mom who knows all about sixteen and seventeen year old boys. She used to be the girl in the closet. Well, I was closet. just gonna say, did, I think did that's she? The idea. Did she actually? Did she actually like open the closet? Was there any she like moment? She does she open o- the closet. Well, she opens yeah. Luke's closet, but I think it's implied that Shane is in the other closet on the addition that was built for Jess, because that's where they keep looking. Jess keeps looking to that corner, and Lorelai keeps looking to that corner. I kind of mm-hmm. like this idea. I, I, you know, I'm gonna. Use. I'm gonna start saying that that's gonna be my my uh, hashtag. My, no girl in the closet. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's my that's my new stance on this. There was no girl in the closet. That's Lorelai just thinking that she knows best and thinking that the worst it, of Jess. Yeah, thinking the yeah. worst of Jess, and that in fact the the fact that we just saw her at her job was the writer's way of telling us that. Lorelai thinks she knows best, but in this case doesn't, and that she's falsely accusing him. And that when he does admit to it, that he's actually just, 
he's just giving her what she wants. He's just trolling her. Like letting her yeah. he's just letting her believe what she wants to believe. Yeah. I think Jess I'm has kind it. of yeah, accepted that he has lost it. the Lorelai yeah. battle at this point. Yeah, I mean, like, why? So, why he does? Why not? He, you know, he strikes me as the type who wouldn't really. He wouldn't argue. Like he would just doesn't need to. You know, whatever. What's that's the what, worst that could happen at this point? Yeah, yeah. So well, we, speaking yeah. of the worst that could happen, <laughs> I again, I've been there. I've been in the bathroom with a friend with bad hair situations, and they are preparing to bleach the heck out of Lane's hair. Their bleach is played by shaving cream, I think. Yeah, they have a like giant it, yeah. bowl of what looks like shaving cream that is their bleach. So my hair is black, black, right? Yeah. And I've dyed my hair before. Um, bleaching black hair is not easy. No. It is yeah. very hard. And it takes several times or several minutes. Also, it hurts like an MF. Like, it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> So that so, part is yeah. true. This is my this is my natural hair color. It's just brown, brunette. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. I bleached my hair to yellow one time. Uh, a friend of mine was a hairstylist. She's like, "Let me practice on you." I was like, "Okay." It was like three hours later. My scalp was burning, and she's like, "Do you want to go lighter?" I was like, "Nope, we're nope. Just just finish it off. We're good. Yeah, I'm done." This is great. I had like anime yellow hair for like two months. It was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, if you <laughs> no, dot, no if you if you bleach black hair, it's pretty orangey. Like you know, like getting it yeah. getting it to like platinum, it takes t- like lots time. of time and and multiple um, applications and yeah. And you also can't just spread it across the top layer <laughs> and right. have it just seep through. Rory's application is the worst. She just paints it on the top of Lane's <laughs> hair. And the fact that Lane's scalp starts burning when she has placed sign. it on the top layer of her hair, that bleach has got to be so strong. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Or, 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 or is a TV show. absolutely yes one thing that i will mention to our viewers too open a window open the window always open you're gonna die (laughs) you will literally like kind of die yeah yeah but what we do get is lane likes dave Mm -hmm. she actually she's in love with dave right dave yeah yes and um actually i'm sorry oh and that's later on yeah. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah. Right now, we just have her in pain, and she runs around the block yes, to get because rid of the pain. She, she, uh, Rory has a suggestion to drink 7-Up, because she's heard that that helps with the pain. Um, they don't have 7-Up, they only have salad water at the Kim house, and so instead, she runs around the block, which is fun, because then Rory sticks her head out the window at sees Lane <laughs> yeah. running around the block. <laughs> which, again, Lane Kim... Just believes that everybody else in Stars Hollow is on her side and will not rat her out to her mom. Yeah. Doesn't Lorelai see Lane running Yeah, it's Lorelai. Yes, that's Lorelai who sees okay. it. Yeah. We actually move on to Lorelai and Luke in the school. And Debbie's still obsessed with Lorelai. She loves her humor so much. And that's when she we find out. quotes that yeah. Lorelai said. Which, if you've ever had that experience of somebody quoting something that you said offhand back to you years later, you're like, oh, I guess, sure, I said that. Like, <laughs> okay, thank Why not? you. 
Um, and we meet Butch Danes. Yes. The 1985 a huddle. What was it? The huddles? Yeah, hurdles. I'm sorry. Hurdles tra- championship. Uh, I mean, that's sure. pretty impressive. I thought he was a baseball guy. So he's a I baseball guy think... and a track and field? Yeah. Well, track and baseball are both spring sports, aren't they? You're asking the wrong person. I don't sure. Know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, definitely, you definitely have the wrong guest. Not a group of sports people of here. No. Well, no, anyway. what's terrible is two. Well, I had one brother who did track and field and one brother who did baseball. So theoretically, I should be able to tell you just based on what they did. But I don't remember. Either sure. way, there is a picture. There is a plaque. There is like a little monument to Butch Danes still at the high school, which Lorelai is going to tease him mercilessly about. Which, I mean, that's their relationship. How could you not? Well, they're getting back to it, right? Because they, after the accident, they suffered. Their relationship suffered yes, yeah, real bad. Um, yeah. So they're getting back to this flirty back and forth. And yeah. I like it. And uh, now Lorelai is <laughs> sissy? Was that, was that Butch Dane's girlfriend, sissy? Sissy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because Lorelai loves to throw out her, I mean, we've called it her bimbo voice. She loves to use it whenever she can. Oh, Lore. Um, we hop back <laughs> to Lane, where this is the scene, I believe, that we get the, the Dave discussion, right? Because she has been bleached yeah, within she's an inch of her life. <laughs> and it's so funny, the background stuff, um, because the dye goes from drenched to not drenched to, like, sinking uh, sink into uh, the hair to drenched again. Yeah, yeah it's so funny. Um, but what we do find out is that Dave, Zach, and Brian all have tattoos. And and what's Brian's tattoo? Oh, is this the Snoopy tattoo? <laughs> yeah. This is the Snoopy tattoo. Where is the Snoopy tattoo? I always forget to I always I always I always forget about like where that happens. I know that he has a Snoopy tattoo. Do they not say where he has a Snoopy tattoo? No. no. I don't know if we ever we see it. Did you ever have a Snoopy tattoo on you? No. Okay, so then no. it could be anywhere. <laughs> And you don't um, have a real Snoopy tattoo either. I do not have a real Snoopy tattoo. I'm trying to think, where would Brian get a Snoopy tattoo? I um, I would have never thought Brian would get a tattoo. Because Brian is, like, he doesn't like germs, right? Like, he was a yeah. germaphobe. Mm. So, like, I don't know. Germaphobe? Wasn't know. he? Is Brian a germaphobe? I don't know. I don't so. remember that. Okay, maybe I might be... Um. Probably Brian somewhere. Would Brian get a tattoo. Not painful. Yeah, it would be the least painful place. It's like um, on the side of his arm, like instead of a tribal tat, just Snoopy, <laughs> Snoopy chilling on his house. Yeah, I mean, you've seen Brian wearing pretty short sleeve t-shirts, mm-hmm. so it wouldn't be on his on butt, the maybe. Arm. But I could see it on his shoulder. I could I could see it on his shoulder, like like on the the fleshy part of the side of his shoulder. I could see that. Yeah, you heard it here. I, I don't know. I do not imagine <laughs> that that Brian has a Snoopy tattoo on his butt. I mean, I know that that sounds very funny, but there, I, I don't. I doesn't that, track with no, the character. No, that doesn't track with the character. Yeah. But I, chance, I could see it on his shoulder. Brian got on one shoulder. of those like paste on tattoos that you just get wet and it stays on for like a week <laughs> if you're lucky. And he was like, "Guys, I got a tattoo," and then just never showed his shoulders again. <laughs> That I could definitely imagine. <laughs> yes, that I could definitely imagine. Well, um, l- like we said before, Lane is in love with Dave, right? 
just like Rory's in love with Dean. Except, you know, yeah. Dean loves Rory back, so that's the difference. Except, guys, is Rory still in love with Dean? <laughs> yeah. And Rory's not super awkward. Yeah, Rory is really uncomfortable with this conversation because Lane is just going on about how great it is. She has her first love, just like you and Dean. And Rory just kind of wants the conversation to end. Mm-hmm. This is like the exact same conversation Rory had with Paris. Yeah. And is that because is that because she's already starting? She's it's because she's already starting to lose her feelings for Dean. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh. definitely. Because she's yeah. already kissed Jess at this point, um, and you know went off to Washington D.C. Oh, yeah. Came back. Now Jess is with Shane, so there's a lot oh, of right. like animosity there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, like she is definitely tapering off of Dean and. It's super not cool. If you feel this way about your boyfriend, you need to break it off. Oh, yeah. And she doesn't. She's just going to let this run as long as she can because she doesn't know any other way. She doesn't know any other options. Yeah. Um, So So, I have a question for you guys. Have you guys ever dyed your hair a crazy color? I, I I did. Ooh, I didn't. Ooh. I, I didn't dye it a crazy color, but I but I did. I did bleach my hair. Yeah, cool. Um, I did bleach my hair in like my early twenties or early yeah early to mid twenties. Um, like totally burned my scalp. I did. Yeah, I, yeah, I just did it myself. I did it myself. Um, and uh, totally burned my scalp. Um, would, would this have been pre or post Gilmore Girls? I have no, no oh, idea. Oh, pre Gilmore Girls. Okay. Oh, pre Gilmore Girls. I I I uh I got Gilmore Girls in my late twenties. Oh. Um, okay. So I was still in I was still in Chicago back back then. Yeah. Yeah. That was on that that, that was that was not a smart thing that I did. <laughs> um, definitely was uh was painful. So you're saying blondes don't have more fun? This one didn't. No. <laughs> Not during the process, anyway. But I had frosted tips for a while. Ah, oh, nice. that's so nineties. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I had some frost. I had some frosted tips. One of my brothers did a uh, semester, like six weeks abroad in Spain for their Spanish class, and he came home with frosted tips. And the amount of heckling that me and all of my other brothers did as he got <laughs> off the plane was just unbelievable. Yeah. I dyed my hair red once. Um, mm-hmm. I dyed my hair red for the final Harry Potter movie. We were all dressing up and I was going as Lily Potter. Oh, nice. Because somebody else was going as Ginny and then the person who was going as Ginny didn't even show up. So I was essentially Ginny. But I dyed it red. It was not super red. We just dyed red over my natural color. But that's as wild as I've ever gotten. I would imagine that just was, that just kind of looked a little. It was like, like Auburn. Brown. Like yeah. an auburn, brownish, like where like in certain light, it kind of mm-hmm. looks like burgundy or something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it was fun. But I mean, to me, I had like virgin hair at that point. So it was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this. <laughs> I was a scene kid, but I went to Catholic school and they ref- they wouldn't let us dye our hair at all. So I, um, as soon as I graduated, it was purple. It was red. Mm-hmm. It was pink. Nice. It was blue. I did every color and I still kind of dye my hair red now. So like, it's just, I love it. Like fire engine red. Oh yeah. It was bright. I was rebelling. I was like laying in this moment, right? Because I had, I was so controlled um, with what I wore, my uniform, my hair, everything was controlled. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I was able to have freedom, 
Oh, yeah. Manic panic all the way, which is <laughs> awful for your hair. Throughout high school, uh, my dad would not let me dye it an unnatural color. Um, mm-hmm. So I've had black hair. I've had blonde hair. Yellow hair it did not blonde um i have had like a really dark red hair at one point i had um blonde highlights red highlights black highlights lowlights if you can call them that i had like literally every natural hair color (laughs) in my hair that was that was the most i could do and then (laughs) and then turns out dyeing your hair and not having it fall out is is expensive so i yeah stopped dyeing my hair when yeah (laughs) when i moved out and these colors fade the bright mm-hmm. colors, they fade so quickly. So even if mm-hmm. she would have gotten this light purple, within a week, it would have faded to gray. It would it would have been yep. gray, yeah. Yes. With like a purple Which actually would have looked cooler. Yeah, honestly, it's... <laughs> that that purplish gray is, I think, kind of cool. I have a friend whose hair color is that right now, actually. She didn't have like the quite bright purple as what Lane does in this episode. Um, but it was definitely, a, it was more like that mermaid purple that you kind of see. But it has faded and it's more just kind of like a gray with like a purple tint to it. It looks yeah. really cool. Well, before we get the official reveal of the terrible wig, I think we will all agree, we do have another kind of disastrous moment of the episode, which is Lorelai finally getting to give her talk. She's been so excited. She roped Luke into it. Um, and she gets up there. She has her note cards. She's ready to present. And clearly the students of this class have different plans. Um, I, I think we'll probably discuss it, but... As somebody who's worked in education, I worked in elementary, I worked in high schools, uh, this should never have been allowed to happen. This is not what yeah. happens when you bring a guest speaker in. We talked about this while we when we were watching it at Remarcus. This scene struck me as one of the most unbelievable moments in the series. Like, I don't buy it yeah. not one bit. Um, I get how it's an important piece of conflict and that, like, it sort of helps fuel the story, but... Like, it just seems completely, it just, it just doesn't seem believable at all. Like, um, that this class of kids would just start probing. And that the adults in the room would allow them to do that. Like, that's when the moderator steps in and says, hey, we're going to hold questions or, hey, we're going to keep our questions specific to Lorelai's job. And nobody Deb, does that. Do right. your and job. Also, you are the leader of the PTA, Deb. <laughs> do your job. But also, I have to be honest, like, how do all those kids right? know this? Like, I, I mean, you know, it, it's like, it just seems like of all the things that kids that age are concerned with, this story of a member of the town who, you know, got pregnant early, which doesn't even really seem like, I mean... For the purposes of this show, it's sort of a big deal, but like for the purpose, you know, like, you know, in terms of life, it's not like that's something that would happen. Yeah. That kids would talk about. It's well, in real life, it's not something that's so incredibly like weird that it would be something that's important to a class of when you're like, you know, like when you're like 15, 16 and adults, even if they're 32 or 40 or 50, they're an adult. You know? Yeah. yeah. Like, we don't look at age like that when we're kids. It's when we become adults that we realize a 30-year-old adult and a 60-year-old adult are two very different adults, right? But yeah. Well, and it's implied right. a lot that Rory is very shy. Rory does not have a lot of friends. She has Lane and probably has acquaintances past that. But, like, 
this is trying to tell us that Rory has gone through Stars Hollow just shouting to the school her entire life story and her mom's life story and everybody knows. Yeah. I Yeah. It it just yeah, it just didn't connect for me. Yeah, I definitely agree, John. I think this was a very unrealistic scene and it was definitely there for the drama to make, you know, to make it a scene. Um, so I did reach yeah. out on our Instagram, um, to our listeners. Who's at fault here? Was it Lorelai? Was it Deb? Was it the kids? Or was it the unseen teacher? And a majority of people say it's the unseen teacher. The teacher should have been like, guys, we're keeping it to, um, the subject at hand. Stop asking questions about this. Yeah. And then let Lorelai continue. I don't think it's Lorelai's fault at all. No. No. And I also, I also oh, yeah. don't think that Lorelai's answers are inappropriate, no, right? Like, not. I think everything that she says, she is trying to speak clearly. She's trying to make sure that they know that these were her decisions and she doesn't wish that other girls make this choice. But, like, the the way that it ends with, like, all the blonde moms at the end, I just think it's so blown out of proportion. Yeah. Well, Deb looks so disappointed. And honestly... <laughs> Deb can suck it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, and we move back to Lane. Yes. Lane with can her we purple real hair. Quick mention real quick, though, mm-hmm. that Luke is in the back of this classroom, oh, yes. like, dying. sniggering the entire he's, time. He's so dying. pleased that he's present for this. Yeah. Just... We should also mention, which I think was really funny. I actually want to ask you a question, John. How were extras chosen for classroom scenes? Because I don't know if you guys noticed, but a lot of those extras oh, yes. are in their 30s. Yeah, they look they look like not high school. Yeah. yeah. Also one of them we see at yeah. Yale later. Oh, interesting. Well, I I I have uh I I've said many times I actually don't love the term okay. extras. I like calling them background mm-hmm. talent. Mm-hmm. It honors them for what they are, which is a very important element. Yeah, they of... make the scene of mm-hmm. cinema yeah i mean without them you know you, you lose that and there is a degree of talent that that goes into it not everybody is that mm-hmm. good at it but there are certainly you know career extras that well there i just used the word extras <laughs> um uh there are there are career background talent that um that you know are quite good at this the, the way that background talent is chosen is not they're not chosen they're actually i guess purchased there, there are talent agencies that are specific to background and you just give those agencies the parameters for what you're looking for age-wise and, you know, ethnicity, um, uh, um, gender, etc. And then they just essentially put together a big batch of people and give them to you. If they said, we need background talent for a high school like classroom scene then probably the age range for who they would bring in for a scene like that would be between 18 and 25. Okay. Okay. Wouldn't be below it wouldn't be below 18 because then you've got labor mm-hmm. laws that you're dealing with because then they're they're a minor. So you would definitely anybody who's in a classroom scene doesn't matter if it's like, you know, 16 years old like everybody's supposed to be 16 years old everybody in that classroom is at least 18 years old they just called you and say are you available today to go in and work and you go in and work and unless you're like 
you know, 10 or 15 years older than you're supposed to be, you're probably not going to be turned away. And they're just going to put you in a shot, like in the part of the shot that's not as as visible. Gotcha. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. I always wondered how that worked. So we move on to Blaine. Her hair is finished. It is now is. a brighter purple than the dye was, which is funny. And she's wearing just, a wig. So <laughs> it's so it's so bad. And the thing is, I recognize, you know, as a person who has worked in procuring things for events and stuff, you have to think, what's the return on my investment? In this situation, we see this wig for such a short amount of time. I understand not springing for like a really good wig, but at the same time. Why not get a lace front wig here? Why not put the extra $50 and then just have it and, and use it for some other production some other day? This wig is so wig-like. It's painful. Like, I am 90% yeah. sure that Deb's hair is a wig. Really? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The, the Deb's hair looks like a wig. I mean, you know, wigs are wig, wig technology's gotten True. a lot better since then. But you know, wig, wigs were really expensive back back then, like yeah. good wigs. So you know, and, and like most of the wigs are not going to be dyed purple. Most of the wigs are going to be you know wigs for other TV shows where you have to like you know maybe a, an, an actor cut mm. their hair and they need it to to match you know from the previous season. So. You're not going to get a wig that is that specifically purple anywhere except from a costume yeah, store. Yeah. And those wigs are clearly like, you know, like go-go dancer type <laughs> yes, Halloween. You know, wigs. Yeah, absolutely. She yeah. looks like, you know, put a hat on her and, and a little black dress and she could be a witch for Halloween. Like, mm-hmm. it's even that time of year. Exactly. Yeah, it's the right, exactly. She's just in time. But no, she has completed the look. She is ready to rebel. They take a picture, and then it hits her. Mrs. Kemp what comes home. Oh, Mrs. Lane mm-hmm. comes home. Yeah, yeah. Mrs. Mrs. Lane Mrs. is Kim. there. <laughs> Mrs. Lane comes home. <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Kim comes home, and she realizes she needs to have black hair right now, and mm-hmm. so she sends Rory out the window to go get this black dye. Which I have another issue. This this will be very quick. They live in an old old house. It is safe to assume, right, that this is probably at least a hundred. I think old house. all of Stars Hollow is old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah all of that. All, I would imagine every one of those houses are are pro- were probably there. Built is in like the... no way that Mrs. Kim yeah. does not know that Lane is home. Oh, because of like creaky floorboards and stuff. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but she lets it go. We she have knows. to let it go. Yeah. Mrs. Kim knows. Well, and so Rory runs off, good friend that she is, to the beauty to the window, And it is the, still the, the same day. To get her the... Correct. Yes. We acknowledge that this is the same day because Lorelai and Luke are walking out and dealing with the fallout, right? She, One would think. Yes. Mm-hmm. We go to Shane and Shane is now wearing a boat neck shirt. She's wearing a whole different shirt. She is. I I realize that she is wearing a different shirt. Yes, but it's the same day. She had the lace up shirt. Yes, it is the same day. It is the same day. She also had a completely different hairstyle. Completely different. She had like she had like everybody two little little pigtails in the back. 
Well, I everybody's in different clothes. I kind of give Lane and Rory a pass because they're in their uniform. And oh no, yeah, no, she's they're gonna different. die. Oh wait, so like that's, that's different. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. completely different. Definitely the same day. Yeah, because they just all they've done is dye her hair. They're doing this all in one sp- spread of time. So yeah, that's a bit of a continuity error, huh? <laughs> she was in the closet, so she changed. Yeah, or or I was gonna say maybe she's gonna go out on a date, and so she and so she changed, changed like you know in anticipation. Yeah, maybe yeah. they bought the dye and then did it the next day. I don't think so. It's the same day because class stuff. Because mm-hmm. oh, because of the other storyline happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, regardless of the fact that Shane is completely differently dressed, I don't love Rory in this moment. No. She goes in. She's obviously in a hurry. She needs to get the black dye. Shane is on the phone. And With Jess, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And Rory clocks that. She's like, oh, she's talking to Jess. And she's just kind of rude. I don't love rude Rory. Oh, yeah. And she's just like. Rory's got a, Rory's got a mean does. side yeah. to her. She does. Throughout the series, she's got a mean side to her that I think. I think she gets it from her mom mm-hmm. a little bit. Who gets bit. it from like, Emily. Like, she yeah. gets that. Who gets it from Emily, like, you know, except that, like, when Lorelai does it, there's a little bit of, like, a, I guess because of the quirkiness of, of Lorelai, there's something about that that diffuses it a bit. Whereas when Rory does it, it's really a little ugly. It's yeah. mean. Yeah. Yeah. This, this especially, this scene, I'm like... There's no redeeming moment here for Rory. Like, she's essentially saying, you're stupid and you're bad at your job. <laughs> like, yeah. Rory. Uh, <laughs> wow. Do you guys think Shane put the phone on hold? Yeah, it's because... just hearing this. Yeah. Has to. Oh, I yikes. Mean, that yeah. has to be embarrassing, right? <laughs> like, definitely. Definitely he's hearing Jess that. Jess would clock Rory's voice out of a right? room full of 100 <laughs> yeah. people. And Rory can find Jess in a city of how many million? You know, right. it's just, just walks these two right crazy the kids. <laughs> I Yeah, I got to think that Shane is just thinking, wow, this random girl is just attacking me. Like, but that yeah, also means no what's going on here. Jess never told her about Rory. Why would he? I mean, yeah. the next, is it the next scene? No, it's the no. scene after that. Mm-hmm. We'll get into it. But should we jump into uh, Attack of the Karens? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yes. Yeah. So Rory has done her errand. She rushes off. Are they named? No, they're not. They're named not Karen, but it's. They? No. no. Right. That's right. Deb, Deb is, is one of them. Attack, attack right, of the Exactly. Deaths. But they are, you know, what we would colloquially now call Karens. And it's this identical group yes. of blonde moms who approach. It's very sharks versus jets. You know, they are. They're coming in yes. for the kill. <laughs> I love that as soon as Lorelai like starts fighting back, Luke realizes she has this and is like, "All right, well, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go. Are you good? <laughs> like, I have things yeah. to do. You're yeah. fine." Yeah. <laughs> I'm honestly surprised he didn't want to sit around and watch the show, though. Like, get some popcorn, sit on the bench. Yeah. Well, all these moms in there. I love a bad sweater. That's something, John, that our listeners know about me. Wait. I love a bad sweater. I yeah, love all these ugly sweaters. And it does all. not get uglier than these sweaters. I mean, these are horrendous. <laughs> these are like oh. Stepford moms who only shop at Goodwill. Like, <laughs> it's not a great, it's not a great vibe. But yeah, they that come sheep. and they are upset with Lorelai because she's apparently 
trying to get their daughters to get pregnant. That's the view they have taken, which anybody who was present knows yeah. that was not Lorelai's intention at all. They're just mad for the sake of being mad. I love that Luke and Lorelai, they kind of have a couple's vibe, right? Like when they're walking together. Um, yeah. I think we're getting that hints of romance again. Because, like, mm -hmm. season one was so heavy with it. Season two was, like, it was barely mm -hmm. there. And now we're kind of getting the seeds again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're waiting for these two to kiss, finally. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> we're always waiting. They are the absolute will-they-won't-they they couple of the decade. <laughs> this is your angst, John. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the, reason why I it's the reason why I love that, that storyline. Yes. But Lorelai proves she can hold her own even against a group of five other moms. I love when she calls out that they all go to the same hairdresser because they have the same bad haircut. True. Yeah. I do wish I would have heard Lorelai, like, fight them on more, like, standing grounds. Like, she just starts attacking them physically and it's not yeah. like, did you hear the conversation? Did you hear what happened? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Aren't you the leader of the PTA? Shouldn't you have stood up and stopped all of the inappropriate questions? Well, I think that's what John was saying. Like, Lorelai's meanness is cute. But mm -hmm. Rory's yeah. meanness is just mean. It's just... Yeah, it's like she doesn't quite luck. know how to do it. She just doesn't know mm -hmm. how to do it. You know, it's like when she writes that article... You know about that one dance about the ballerina about dancer. dancer. Yeah. It's like it's just like yep. Lorelai would make a quip in private with you know with family about that. She'd never do that. Write it. Like yeah, yeah. She'd never yeah. go that far in a paper. Yeah, <laughs> definitely yeah. not. So Luke walks away, and Luke goes upstairs to find Jess, and they have a talk. Yes. After Luke rifles through all of the closets and spaces where a girl could potentially hide, Jess calls him on it. Jess is clearly still wearing the same clothes, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Boys don't change clothes. Boys yeah. just wear the same clothes all the yeah, time. Apparently. I, can, I, I, can, I can testify to that. <laughs> but yeah, they have a, a pretty frank conversation about Jess's relationship or kind of lack thereof with Shane. And Luke is coming at it from a, you can't treat girls like this. And Jess is like, we're just hanging out. I treat her like trash. She treats me like trash. It's fine. I mean, if that's the agreement. Right. I'm honestly surprised Luke doesn't do a, like, use protection, be right? smart kind of talk, you know? But I yeah. guess the show is still a little PG. Like, yeah. it's maybe gets to PG-13, but never... As much as, like, in the later seasons. But can you imagine yeah. how awkward that conversation would be? Like, yeah. how enjoyably awkward it would be to watch? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, we do get, we do get definitely, like, blips of that with Rory, which I think it is traditionally, you know, girls get the, you have to be so careful talk right. multiple times. And boys don't always right. get the same level the, of, the, like... Yeah the, yeah, the stakes involved are a little higher for for uh, for women, yeah. I, I'd say. Yeah, just a tad. But, I mean, so Jess is essentially still playing that, like, cool, tough guy, like, whatever role in this conversation. Yeah. No biggie, just hanging with her. And Luke doesn't understand that. And it's in this conversation, right, that, that Jess fires back and kind of makes a a reference about Lorelai. Kind of hits a nail on the head there. Yeah. Yeah, he gets defensive. He says, the girls I like don't give a damn about me. 
right? Mm-hmm. And Cop I'm not going to wait around, like unlike some people, as in Luke, who is mm-hmm. still waiting around for Lorelai, who is going yeah. to these class speech things, even though he always says no in the past. Yeah, who changes his shirt just because Lorelai pushes him up the stairs, like. I hate to say it, but Jess is not wrong. He's yeah. just a jerk about it. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. I think you could also say that, like, in his own way, Jess is also waiting around for Rory. Yes, I was just going to say. with Shane, but it's not a serious thing. It's I think he's time. biding his time, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I actually do think, I actually think that everything he's saying to Luke, he's actually saying to himself. Yeah. yeah. Because he, yeah, he, he is, like, he is sort of like sort of hanging on 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 Rory and like I mean you know we know that like by the revival he never he never finds anybody you know yeah. that that is It's that Gilmore girl magic. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like I mean Luke is with Lorelai in the revival yeah. and you know and and actually the the sad like kind of heartbreaking love story is is that Jess, um, you know, never really found, he never really got the love of his life, you know? Yeah. I mean, R- Rory, at least like, you know, she, she was in love with, with all three of them, I believe. And she yeah. did get to experience, yeah. you know, kind of deep love with, uh, with Logan. And, um, I mean, you know, I don't yeah. know, maybe there was some other girl, but like, you just get this suggest, you get this sense that like, that, no, that Je- Jess is really his heart has been with Rory all these years, and he can't give it to anybody else. Yeah, well, it's another like Luke, right? Yeah, like yeah, he's Luke two two point just waiting. Yeah, he really is. I think that Lor- that that uh, Rory and and Jess are going to um, get together in their old age. You think their end game? I'd love that. I think I especially. Would love it too. The Jess that we meet in the revival, I think he's in a place where they could finally have a successful relationship. Yeah, but, but I, course, I don't think that that will happen for another at least another ten years. No, <laughs> not with the not with the the bomb that is dropped at the end of the revival. That would be a good sure. spinoff, like the yeah. future. Yeah, yeah. I would say that Rory has some growing of her own to do to get to where Jess is at the yes. end of the revival. Right. Yeah. That, that is so very when Rory's child is eleven years old. <laughs> maybe she will be there (laughs) well let's wrap up this episode we have one scene left and lane is back to black and lane is back to black like and and when it's like like never happened i mean even the even the little wispy even the little wispy hairs like you know at her Mm -hmm. hairline even those are back to their former glory It's almost like I.e. almost as though they, I was going to say it's almost <laughs> as though a wig was pulled right off her head and surprise, <laughs> it never happened. And um, Jess and Shane walk by, and now Shane is the one that's like that girl's a freak. And I love that Jess is the one who hears that, looks at Rory, and doesn't even pause. He's like, "All right, <laughs> sure." <laughs> He's not going to question it. He's not going to get in between that. I also like that she calls her a freak because it is kind of, I mean, she is kind of a freak. I mean, she's acting yeah. like a freak in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, this when is Lorelei, still the same day. I think it is supposed to be still the same day because Lorelai has just come from the mom. Right. Yes. When they and up. they changed again. But when, when, uh, 
when Lorelai originally calls Shane a freak at the beginning of this episode, it's totally out of place. Like, Shane is just being a teenage girl. Mm -hmm. Like, Lorelai, why are you picking on a teenager? Rory was a freak. She was mean. And although I would never say name calling is okay. Just weird. I get it. Just weird. Her behavior in that, her behavior in the store in that last scene with, with, uh, with Shane is just, it's just weird behavior. (laughs) Yeah. Like, how is that helping her cause? Yeah. Like, I, yeah. Teenagers. Oh, you know whose cause this is helping, right? This is helping Jess's cause. Yes. Yeah. His, yeah, this is some master puppet plan to get Rory to recognize her feelings <laughs> through jealousy. I do I not mean, think Shane, he's a master manipulator like no, that. No. No. Shane is like is. the anti-Rory though, right? Like, she is the blonde to the brunette. She is the one who works at the beauty supply store as opposed to the girl who would love to be in a library. Like, they are supposed to be foils of each other. Right. Which is Which why is Jess, is, Jess chose accordingly. Yes. yes. What would get under Rory's skin the most? <laughs> and Lorelai joins us. Mm-hmm. Oh. And what we kind of get an ending with Lane is that she needs to figure out a plan. So this episode started with she needed to figure out a plan. It ends with she needs to figure out a plan. Yes. Also, is your hair darker? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is your hair blacker? And I love Rory's, I wish you hadn't said that. <laughs> Just don't stay any bright, bright lighting, which, yeah. Also, when your hair starts falling out, your mom will notice. Right, right yes. <laughs> but we end the episode with Lorelai and Rory having their talk to heart-to-heart kind of talk. An ending with L- Lorelai and Rory having a heart-to-heart. Man, we yep. never see yes. that. And no, yeah. preparing to eat junk food because it's... Uh, Al's Pancakes World salute to Jamaica. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm. Like, I just, I would love to go to Al's Pancake World. If I could manifest that in the real world, I would just want to see what that looked like. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but we never see Al, correct? No. I don't, I don't think, think so. so. No. Right? There's mention of Al because Al was unwell at some point. Yeah. Um, but I don't think we ever meet. We There's no somebody is not cast as Al. The, uh, yeah. the suggestion is that Al is that Al is Asian, right? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I honestly don't know because it was originally Al's Pancake World. But isn't yeah. isn't isn't am I wrong that isn't Al's Pancake World a Chinese restaurant? It's an everything restaurant. Sometimes like, it's pancakes, sometimes it's Jamaican, sometimes it's Italian. Oh. He just makes they, his own menu. Okay, There's one episode it. where they get grab bags and open and guess like what nationality the food is. Oh, mm-hmm. that's cool. It is unknown. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> that would be a good spinoff. Right? Yeah. Al- <laughs> At that point, how authentic could the food get if you're constantly changing? Like, that's my only question on this. Yeah. It seems like half the time it's good. Sometimes it makes them sick, but... <laughs> That is our episode. Yeah, that is the episode. That Um, is our episode, and I am hungry. Me too. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, 
must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. La, 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 At this point, we usually talk about the townsperson of the week. So that is okay. the person that shined the most during this episode. Brian we Fuller. We have a debate, but we, we get one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. are we dumb? <laughs> I mean, we can say that Brian... He was not uh, he was not the instigator of the situation. He was kind of trying to play it cool. Um, I think there's an argument to be made for Lane for a townsperson of the week, although, like we said, she kind of starts and ends this episode in the same place. There's not a ton of growth there. She does also threaten the physical violence to Brian. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Let's see. Yes. Townsperson of the week for me is going to go to... I think I'm going to give it to Shane. <gasps> Shane? Ooh, you know Shane? what? I, I wouldn't like be it. against that. Yeah. I'm going to give it to Shane. Shane is just trying to live her life. <laughs> yeah. Shane didn't do anything wrong. Shane does not deserve any of that, any of the the negativity that's being thrust on her. Oh, so she gets to I'm, make out with Milo Mithrilia. Like, yeah, I, what yeah. else? Do you I'm have? <laughs> I'm fully I'm fully on board with with uh, with Shane. That's my that's my pick. Yeah, I think I think we can swing I'm for that. that. Yeah, yeah. I would never have thought that's where we would go. I'm really glad you're here, John. Sometimes we're <laughs> like, what do we do? Sometimes we even make a poll for our listeners. <laughs> I mean, but one yeah. week we even did Dean and. I think everybody hated themselves. <laughs> I feel like you know. Ten, I feel like ten or, or now what? Now twenty years or almost twenty years later. Um, I think that you know new appreciation for for uh, for Shane. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, so congratulations, Shane. You're this week's town person of the week. Shane, you are the most likely to have a spinoff series based on you, <laughs> and it will go well. Yeah. So. After Town's Person of the Week, we have References with Sandra. Weekly References with Sandra. Weekly References with Sandra. All right, guys, this week we're going to do something a little different. Now, I do have a running segment of introducing guest stars. So sometimes we get John Hamm out of nowhere. We get Adam Brody. This week, we have John Carrera. And we have him here. So, like, obviously, we have to, you know, ask you a couple questions here. This is, I can, I can definitely, (laughs) I can definitely say this is truly John Carrera. This is not an AI. Um, uh, so I ask me whatever, and I'll I'll try I'll do my best to try and remember. All right. Excellent. Um, well, first off, how did you get the role of Brian? Like, how was the audition process? Uh, well, I it was the uh, second time, second or third time that I had actually been in there. I I, uh, I, I auditioned for uh, at least one other episode. Uh, was the episode before this one? 
I auditioned for the role of the son of the Harvard, the Harvard uh, guy. Oh that, that, my gosh, yeah. that would have been wild. Yeah, so I, I auditioned for, yeah, so I, I, uh, I, I auditioned for that role and that, and, uh, you know, at least in my memory of the role, it, there was more meat to the scene. Like I, uh, my character, or the, the, my character, the role that I was auditioning for had more, had more lines. So I really wanted that role. And then they called me in. A, I didn't get it. I thought that the audition went really, really well. Dan was in the room and, and he was laughing. So I thought, oh, that's good. Um, but I didn't get it. And I was really disappointed. And then um, very shortly after, they were like, there's another role. I want you to come in. Um, and uh, and, I, and I, I went in for that. I, know, I knew the casting director. I had met the casting director, Mara, through mutual friends. Actually, Sean Gunn. I met Mara through Sean. Um, Sean and I have known each other since the early nineties cause we went to school together. Um, and, so cool. and, and so, uh, yeah, so I went in and, and auditioned for that. And, and, uh, I remember, I, I actually, I, I actually remember, I don't know what he's doing now, but I remember the actor who almost got the role. It was between me and another actor. I remember the actor who almost got the role of Brian. Very different, very, very different really like kind of curly big curly almost like almost an afro kind of uh, big hair um and uh shorter Mm -hmm. and a little bit like picturing josh gad now a little spunkier (laughs) like like i feel like the character like that that brian would have been a much spunkier brian than me um uh, anyway, uh, went in and 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 auditioned. Uh, um, I remember uh, it was Amy and Dan were in the room, but so was the director. The director was mostly the one that I was interacting with, which is funny because he direct he directed that one episode and I never saw him again. Um, <laughs> uh, but but probably had a big say in 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 hiring me for that episode. Uh, I remember wh- when I left the room, Todd went in. And I stuck around for some reason. I was in the, in, you know, out, out in the like lobby area, like maybe talking to somebody else that I, that I knew or, or something that was there. And I could hear Todd's audition and they were roaring with laughter, like roaring with laughter. I don't know what the scene was because it was a different scene from what I did because I was, I, I was auditioning for Brian and he came out, you know, like, all kind of in a huff. Like he did, he looked kind of serious. He didn't look like he, he didn't even look like he was in a good mood. Um, uh, and, uh, and I was like, Hey, that went well. And he's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh yeah. I I don't know. We'll see. And I I was like, you got that role. You know that. Right. And he was like, he's like, Oh, you think so? And I was like, yeah, you got that role. (laughs) And, and then when, uh, and then when I got the, the, the news that I was cast, uh, which was exciting. Then when I went in for the read through, I saw Todd and I walked up to him and I said, told you, you got the role. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and he was like, yeah, yeah. I love that. So, um, so, uh, so that was, re- that was really cool. Um, you know, and I, you know, I remember what, you know, when I got the sides in the, the sides are the, are the, you know, the scene that I would be reading mm-hmm. and I saw how, little Brian was in the episode. And then I kind of compared that to what I sort of thought was a bigger role. I mean, when I watched it back, I was like, oh, that, that Yale kid didn't really have that much either. Um, but I, I, I did 
feel like the Brian role was a downgrade from what I could have had if I had gotten the other episode. Because in my mind, it was just like, bigger role, better role. Um, mm-hmm. But 32 yeah. episodes later, <laughs> yeah. that Yale kid so... that Yale kid had one <laughs> one episode and and brian became became an actual role so just there was an interesting lesson there an interesting lesson uh about you know um you hear it's like an old saying like there are no small roles only small Mm -hmm. actors And, Mm -hmm. and that is sort of this idea that like you know just because it has fewer lines doesn't make it a small doesn't make it a an inferior role it's what you bring to it and so was cool i i you know i put my heart and soul into brian and 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 i i think that that probably contributed to um to how brian became more of a character than than he was in that first episode awesome so there was like no inclination that at all that this could be a potential like multi-episode arc it was a one and done well i you know i feel like they the, the thing is that they always tell you they always tell actors like this could be a recurring role like and because technically any role could be a recurring role and they know that if they tell you that if it's a soap opera any role that is cast on there could potentially come back and so telling at least this this i think this is the way it was back then because now now shows are made differently uh they're a lot more planned out and sometimes just all shot before they're even sold or put on uh, put on put on the air or online. Um, but back then, you know, you were sort of, you know, you were sort of given promises. And part of what might entice you to take a role, especially a small role, would be because it's going to be recurring. So, like, that might be something that your agent would tell you, like, "Hey, I know it's only a few lines, but they say it's recurring." Just because they say it's recurring does not mean it's going to recur. In fact, yeah. I was cast in in things that were that I was told were going to recur, and they never recurred. Um, I I wasn't in anything past that episode, so I'm sure I was told both of those roles would recur. And and in my mind, I was probably like, you know, whatever. Like it might, it might not. Take it with a grain of salt, hope for the best, and right. expect the worst. Yeah, kind of I mean, thing. you just sort of you just sort of look at the role for what it is right then, because you think like you know, if it doesn't recur, then what do I have here? Is this you know, these three lines here going to help me get my next job? And that's usually what actors are thinking, you know, um, when they think about like the size of their role. If the the role is really small, they're thinking. Well, with these three lines, I'm not going to really have much to put a reel together. Without a reel that shows my, like, you know, past experience, how's that going to get me seen and noticed by casting directors and agents? And how am I going to climb my way up? At the very least, even if this role never recurs again, is only in this episode, if the scene is juicy, if I have a lot in it, at the very least, I have some some material that I can show to, you know, to just make my way up the ladder, get a better agent, uh, get casting directors to take notice, etc. And with that Brian role, there really wasn't anything in that 
opening scene or in that in that opening episode that I could really realistically use in a reel mm-hmm. to get to get noticed. A reel being like, you know, the the um what what an actor calls their sort of like video portfolio of their past work. There wasn't really much there. So so yeah, I mean, going strictly off of that, I you know, would have wanted the other role, but now, you know, t- 20 years later, like I'm a, obviously I'm, it worked right, out. Right. <laughs> you know, it, like hindsight is 2020, 20, you know? Yeah. So did you have a favorite person that, that you worked with on set? Favorite person that I worked with on set mm-hmm. would probably be, would probably be Brenda Maben, who was the costume designer. Oh, I really, oh, okay. I really love, I really loved Brenda. Um, and Valerie, Valerie Campbell, who, who, um, is very big in the fandom. She, uh, she was a costumer. Um, she was on set a lot, but, um, but Brenda, I, I just had a really great connection with Brenda and she, I just think costumed my character so well because of how well she, like the rapport that we had, like she just kind of, she just kind of knew me, but yeah, you know, I, I. I really loved the crew a lot. There were members of the crew that I really developed a good relation, great relationship with. Makeup and hair, you develop a really great relationship with them because you're sitting in a chair talking to them. It's almost like similar to like when you get your hair cut and your mm-hmm. and your and your your hairstylist or your your barber like kind of becomes your therapist and you're just like chit chatting with them about all of the things that are going on with your life. That kind of same thing happens in the hair and makeup trailer. Um, so you develop a relationship with them. You know, in terms of actors on set, you know, I, I Sean, um, well, Sean and I have known each other for, had known each other for over a decade before uh, when we were on the show. And, uh, and so, you know, we were really, really close friends, but we didn't have a lot of scenes. Uh, Todd and I developed a really great friendship and we still have it to this day. Um, Keiko and I developed a really strong friendship friendship as well sebastian and i developed a really strong friendship he actually lives here in vegas now i just moved to vegas and he's out here we're gonna we're gonna meet up um at some point in the uh in the near future once i'm settled um uh you know i i developed a really strong relationship to all the members of the band because you know there's a lot of downtime you just spend a lot of time hanging out talking and then after set you go to a bar and hang out at a bar and and you just develop like a working friendship with people the way you would any colleagues that you work with. Like if you work in an office, you know, you, you usually develop relationships with those folks. And so, um, so yeah, with definitely with my storyline, um, but with some of the cat, uh, the crew members as well. And, and Brenda's a standout for me. Awesome. And my last question, what are you doing now? Uh, I am building a fandom, a fandom app, and a fandom ecosystem, a platform for fans to come together and celebrate their favorite television shows, movies, and books together through watch parties, trivia, um, gab sessions, sort of an, a, a live podcasting network that is led by fandom, like le- it's and led by the fans themselves. Like the fans are becoming like m- members of the platform are becoming our our main content creators and and uh we started with a full watch of Gilmore Girls 
And, uh, and then we branched off into dozens of other shows, including some big shows that, that the platform like kind of presents as its sort of official content. Right now we're doing Shit's Creek and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, um, fun. So those are, we're right now in, in season three of Buffy. We're about to start that. We're about to start season four of Shit's Creek. Um, it's called Remarkist. Remarkist, um, you can uh, go to Remarkist.com uh, and learn all about it. You can download it. We're right now in beta, but we're, I'd say, a month, maybe two at the most from uh, from full public release, in which case you'll be able to download it in the App Store. We're probably going to be in an invite phase for a while, which means that if you join the app now while while we're in our public our, in our private beta... Um, you actually have an e- will have an easier time getting into Remarkist than you will once we're in the App Store because once we're in the App Store, the only way that you'll be able to get in is through an invite from somebody who's already on the platform, and the folks who are already on the platform are the folks who have been here since the beginning and have gotten on uh, during our 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 private beta. But it's really fun. We we've got like digital collectibles and we've got an in-game currency that we use to like. Um, you know, buy and sell like collectibles that we create for each other based on these shows. Like we don't do anything that like, you know, infringes on copyright or trademark, but it's mostly like, you know, uh, little collectibles. They kind of look like stickers or pogs. I don't know if you remember pogs from the nineties. Um, they kind of have this like pog quality. Um, and people create them, um, in with, with sort of visual graphics that like are inspired by, themes and characters from the show without actually crossing over into um into the trademarks and copyrights of the shows themselves it's it's pretty amazing how much fans can do with this content by simply just commenting on these shows like like what what the three of you are doing um in in your podcasts um and uh and yeah, I mean, it's really exciting. We're about to to release a few new big features and we do most of our our um events, we call them. Um they're kind of like what we just did here except they're all live. Um and uh we do most of those on Clubhouse, but we're about to introduce audio inside of our app. So we're going to have our oh, own cool. audio rooms inside the app. Um, those will probably be coming within the next month, I, I guess. We're going to probably introduce them with our slate shows. Our slate shows are these these more premium shows that we choose to kind of put a little bit more marketing muscle behind. But like I said, the community itself is 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 scheduling watches and games and talks and podcast sessions for dozens of shows. We've got like Mad About You that's going right now. Somebody's doing Bridget Jones just did Bridget Jones's Baby. Um, uh, we've got like another member is doing Once Upon a Time. Um, another member is doing this new show Manifest. Um, I'd say like we've probably got about over say over about 20 different shows that are going on right now from different community members and um but our buffy and our schitt's creek uh those those events which are going to start on the 22nd of this month 22nd or 23rd of this month um 
those are going to be big. We're going to we're going to treat those the way that we treated Gilmore Girls with lots of games. Um, you know, we're going to see about trying to get some some uh, some guests to join us during that time. Um, lots of fun, sticky digital collectible type stuff that's going to be happening um, throughout. Uh, yeah, I mean, the idea is basically to uh, empower fans to empower fans to be content creators uh of their favorite of their favorite shows to find other fans who love them and to create great content around them kind of like what you guys are doing you know that's awesome that's exactly what sandra was looking for when she posted an ad on reddit (laughs) yeah all right so my last question is not technically my question it is Elle's question Mm -hmm. and Elle is a supporter of ours um she asks if you can recast Gilmore Girls with actors of this time instead of the early 2000s which actors would you choose let's just focus on like Lorelai and Rory and Brian yeah let's say Lorelai and Brian Brian. (laughs) who would you cast from today's I mean obviously you would cast yourself as Brian right (laughs) uh no I wouldn't um uh Joey King. Oh, okay. I see that. For Rory? For Rory. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, think I mean, Joey she's got King, acting chops. I think she's just such a phenomenal actress. I would okay. That. Yeah. And, and she's like, and she's like, like she's got like something interesting about her, right? Like that's mm-hmm. sort of the, the mm-hmm. thing with Rory is that like Rory is like special, right? Like that she doesn't just like look like a cookie cutter, you know, like cookie cutter yeah. type pretty girl. Like Joey King's got like kind of a kind of a quirk to her. I like that. that. Awesome. Yeah. Who else? <laughs> um Oh, I know one. How about Will Poulter? Oh, okay. I think Will Poulter is gorgeous. I feel like... For Dean. I mean, Dean is gorgeous. He's gorgeous. But I mean, like, Will Poulter has that, like, very... I mean, you know, he's British, but, like, he can play an American. He can play. Like, he can play a total, like, all-American Midwestern guy. Mm -hmm. And he really looks like he should be from the Midwest, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um the only thing about Will Poulter is that he doesn't quite have that like angry thing that um that Dean has. Dean's kind of got like, that like oh. kind of got that like He was the villain in something recently, wasn't he? Well, he Am was I... in the Maze Runner, I think. Yes. And his character was kind of antagonistic. So yeah. I think he has that. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. I didn't see the Maze Runner. Um, anyway, Will Poulter. See, I just saw him in We're the Millers, and I can't <laughs> see him, like, past that. You guys got paid. I just saw him in Dope Sick, and he's incredible oh, yeah. in Dope Sick. Yeah. He's so good. I know he he is supposed to be playing Adam Warlock in an upcoming Marvel movie, yep. and I am actually really That's right, really yeah. He, about he's that. he's, uh, he's going to play Adam Warlock in the new Guardians film, which was uh, is direct, written and directed by my good friend James, James Gunn. Gunn. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, so th- those are my two. I'd say Joey King for Rory, Will Poulter for Dean. That's the best that I've got for you right now. Yeah, no, that's great. I think you gave us that's some a good like start. Yeah. really out of the box suggestions that wouldn't be first on people's list. So I love that. But I understand them. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, 
that's the reference session for this week. And after references, we have a song with Emily. Books, movies, and music with Emily. With Emily. I'm not going to dive too much into it. Obviously, we had one song that was clearly playing at the band practice, London Calling by The Clash. London Calling was actually the album mm-hmm. with the single being London Calling. Mm-hmm. It was released in 1979, top 10 on the charts, top 20 single, all these great things. Honestly, it is a really great song. Everybody should listen to it. But in the interest of time, um, we did, we have another subs- subscriber? Supporter. Supporter. Um, Sarah, she's also a supporter of our, of our podcast. So we reached out to her as well and asked what she might might like to ask if she had any questions for you, John. And she did say, she did ask, she would love to hear about your experience in the show, which I know we've, we've We've already talked a lot about that. Um, Also, can you play bass for real? I, I, I actually can play bass for real very, very, very poorly. I did learn for the show. I did learn some for the show. I wasn't actually playing mm-hmm. um, because my skills are just not good enough that uh, that it would have been good, that it would have sounded good. Although all of that music is actually live. So the way they would do it is my bass wouldn't be plugged in. I would be playing it. And I was actually playing every song that you saw. My fingers were hitting the correct strings frets i was playing it mm-hmm. but my guitar wasn't plugged in instead um the real dave Rogalski, the 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 real husband of helen pie who is a musician because of course the the storyline mm-hmm. was based on uh, on uh, on on his and Hel- helen pie's relationship and as a musician that was one of the things one of his gigs was that he was uh he not only helped us like you know uh, me and, and Sebastian specifically with our guitar playing because we play guitar, but he played for us off camera. That's so awesome. Right That's off really camera, cool. right off, right off of the screen. Like you know, like any time you see the band, if if they just turned the camera a little bit, you'd see Dave standing there with a the guitar, and it was his guitar that was plugged into my amp. Also, wow. you could look at the scene. And you, you may be able to see my guitar not plugged in and his guitar plugged in. You might be able to see it. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was playing that bass line so that we could actually have real guitar playing. And then there was another guitar player who'd be playing for Sebastian because he wasn't playing his guitar either. Todd was playing his guitar because he is a real guitar player. Um, wow. And Keiko and Keiko was actually playing the drums because she oh, awesome. can really play the drums. And I, you know, like I said, I could play. And, and they tried to get me to play, you know, er, early episodes, um, but it was just was terrible. I mean, it was like it was a guy who was learning how to play bass for a show. Like it just wasn't wasn't good enough. So what the the next best thing was just memorize the actual fingering on the guitar and. And then we'll play for you and it will totally be, be believable. After the show went off the air, I actually took lessons from Dave Rogalski, um, uh, bass lessons. And, um, and you know, got to the place where I could, I could play some simple songs um, on the bass, like nothing really that complicated. But he used to say all the time, like a lot of bass players 
didn't know how to play the bass. They like learned how to play the bass <laughs> for their band. So he thought that mm-hmm. it was actually pretty realistic. That's so cool. So, yeah. But uh, every one of those, including London Calling, every single one of those came with, they'd send me a CD and I would be listening to it for like a full week before the episode. I would be like learning how to play the, the, the song. And so, uh, you know, all of those episodes with music in them all come with the memory of me of me sitting with a bass guitar just like working on uh, you know working on the lines yeah that explains why it's why it all looks so real like realistic it looks all authentic yeah i played bass in high school again probably the same level you of uh poorly um <laughs> but my brother's a guitarist so like that was one thing we would do and we would because my brother watched gilmore girls his girlfriend got him into it okay um which was funny but like we would sit there and like try to watch the fingering and stuff and and figure out if it was real or not so i love that sarah asked that question i was going to ask the same question and then her last part was just what was it like with other members of hep alien i think we've kind of covered kind yeah. of already addressed that one as yeah. well yeah, I mean, they, we really did develop a bond, like a real band. You know, I mean, I, I know it sounds cliche and sappy, but it was really true. I mean, and, and I don't think that that was a, that's anything unique. Um, often, you know, I mean, you hear all the time, like, actors, you know, like couples meeting as actors on set and then getting married, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the amount of time you spend on set with your co with your co-stars um, doing things other than acting, because actually most of the time that you're on set, you're not acting. Most of the time you're on set, you're waiting for them to like prepare a shot. You know, you spend hours just sitting around doing nothing um, to like act for maybe like five minutes before they call cut and then they do it all again. A few hours of you just sitting around doing nothing. So if you have, you know, if you you are in a storyline with other actors that are also in those scenes with you sitting around doing nothing between those takes. You talk to them, you get to know them, you hang out with them, you joke with them, you develop a really close friendship with them. And in some cases, you know, some actors develop feelings for each other and then they go off and get married. Right. Like, so <laughs> it's, it, you know, the fact that we, the four of us would develop a really great, like, bond and feel that felt like a little bit of a band is not really that you know it's not that unique to um to the craft it happens uh, all the time and and in our case because we were playing a band and there were four of us it just they created that kind of same similar dynamic it's still a lot of fun though because i mean you can kind of see that hep alien kind of turns into their own family as well mm-hmm. as the show goes on yeah i mean you guys um, live especially... together at one point so like <laughs> yeah well, how alien does You don't get closer than that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I guess that was uh, the end of media. A little bit of London Calling by The Clash and then some music questions to John. After that, we have Fashion with Jess. Making fashion choices. Making fashion choices. Making fashion choices with Jess. All right. So again, because we have a special guest here today, it will not be a normal fashion segment. So my best dress for the episode was Lorelai in the outfit that she put on to present to that class. I thought she looked great. Pinstripe, suit jacket, pencil skirt, red purse, red shoes, very put together, very business-like. 
Um, and my worst dress, it's just that wig. That wig was a crime. <laughs> but rather than go into the other outfits that were discussed, John, since you're here and since you've already told us you had a really great relationship with the costumer on set, um, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about Brian's wardrobe and how you feel like that kind of added to the character. Well, what I was told was that Brian's wardrobe was largely inspired by Dan Palladino. Dan Palladino okay, actually wow. was, was the main inspiration for, for Brian, like, you know, the suit jackets with the t-shirts underneath and the, like, you know, bolo ties, you know, or like loose fitting, like, uh, um, narrow ties, like, uh, I don't think, it was, I don't think it was bolo, but there was definitely like, like thin ties and suit jackets and quirky sweaters and, and, you know, and polo uh, or like, you know, kind of polo pullover type, like penguin type shirts and, Ben Sherman. These were all very, actually very similar to what Dan Palladino wore. And I also think that Dan Palladino was like, Brian Fuller's has some Dan Palladino inspirations in him in, in oh, general. But interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the Palladinos in general are kind of known for their quirky style and fashion. So uh, yeah, and I, I actually loved, loved what they, what they, um, dressed me in like you, you hear horror stories not horror stories but you, you hear stories like actors coming in and just seeing what they want them in and just being like you know just crushed because they know how, how horrible they're going to look in it and I just never I always loved always loved um what they picked out for me and in some cases wish that I could take it home I think <laughs> did you take probably, anything no I didn't no I, you, you're not allowed I mean I've heard that actors have but I would done that but mm. I, I do think that it like also inspired me a little bit I, I ended up like you know getting like you know buying a lot of clothing in those brands Penguin, Ben Sherman whatnot. and I think it was partly because of, of the show. Cool well I mean I'm always talking about how the clothes add to the character and and they tell a story of their own and I love that your clothes were not something that were a pain because I've done a little bit of acting and definitely the costume can make or break how you feel about a role. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, that was fashion. And after fashion, we have Star Hollow Speaks. Hey everybody, Jess here. We were having so much fun recording with John that we skipped right over Stars Hollow Speaks so we could stick to all of his awesome stories and experiences from the show. But I am here to do Stars Hollow Speak for you now. So we got a message from Gabriella who said, I feel like Laura is so used to talking to Rory like she's a friend that she didn't even think about censoring herself when talking to those kids. I find it partly her fault, but mostly the teacher that should have stopped the question when it came up. I think we said about the same thing in our recording. That was super inappropriate. And the teacher really should have been the one to step up. Thanks, Gabriella. We also posted just a story asking if you had any thoughts on the episode. And Gabby wrote in and Gabby said, this episode should have been named the one with all the fake wigs. Yes, that wig is, I think I said in the episode, criminal. Terrible. Thank you, Gabby. And we had a message from Kendra. Kendra said, the scene where Rory is bleaching Lane's hair is probably the funniest scene in the entire series for me. Salad water, Rory sticking her head out the window, seeing Lane run around the town square. It's just so perfectly acted. It shows how funny the actors can be when given the chance to do more physical comedy. I love Rory and Lane. Same. This is a great friendship episode. So thank you so much, Kendra, for writing in. All right, so that was all the Stars Hollow Speaks we had today. 
a little bit light, but we also had those special questions that we got from our supporters, Sarah and Elle. And just so you know, because they are our special financial supporters, we reached out to them personally ahead of time and asked them if they had any special questions for John. So just a little perk that you could get if you join them as a supporter, if we have a chance to speak with more actors or crew members from the show in the future. And now back to the show. Guys, coffee. You know, coffee is a big staple of the show. Where was the coffee? We went to Luke's. I was, drink. <laughs> I was drinking. Coffee. John was drinking coffee. I need some coffee. Um, yeah, John had more coffee than both Gilmore Girls. <laughs> Lorelai and Rory, neither of them had a single cup of coffee this entire episode. They did drink soda at Luke's instead of coffee. So See, I had to go back and look. Yeah, no. Uh, it's not typical. Usually, at least Lorelai drinks because Lorelai is definitely a big coffee drinker. But guys, this was Brian's first episode, Zach's first episode, John's first episode, <laughs> John's yep. first episode of Nonprofit. And we do want to say thank you so much to John for being here. For for we're so incredibly grateful, <laughs> bearing with us through our whole podcasting yeah. process. No problem. And we want to. Make sure all of our listeners remember Remarkist is the project John is currently working on. Check out Remarkist.com. Learn all about it. Um, you'll actually hear about our experience with Remarkist later on this season. We watched an episode with John and some of the people mm-hmm. from Remarkist. So you'll hear more about that kind of mid-season from us. Mm-hmm. Well, John, any last parting words? No, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. Of course. And absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This was Sandra. This was Emily. This was Jess. And this was John. And we'll see you in the next one. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening. This is Town Meeting, a Gilmore Girls Rewatch podcast with Sandra, Jess, and Emily. And you can follow us on Instagram at Town Meeting Pod. And email us at townmeetingpod at gmail.com. You can subscribe to us on Spotify and support us at buymeacoffee.com slash townmeeting. If you like, send us a message on our answering machine at anchor.fm slash townmeetingpod and click message. Thank you again. We appreciate all of you. Bye.